Everybody comfortable? Yeah. Get your ass up when I'm talking. Hey, take it easy. It's showtime. It's showtime. Yeah. Feel the magic and soul of the YBs. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Take two. That Davis show, we are back. We got an interview out right now with Matt Peck from Chicago. I mean, from Bulls Outsider, I should say, and also from Locked On, Pocket, Locked On Bulls podcast. Uh, this out right now. So go and check that out. A uh, good interview talking about the upcoming draft. We're definitely going to get into the draft today. Uh, we got a lot to get into. We got some bears and what took place. We got Theo stepping down from the Cubs and the type of sense that it makes. Um, and then we got hate and slander and stuff of that nature. My name is Kenneth Davis. I'm your host. Follow me at That's Davis. Uh, you know the executive producer of the show. His name is Ryan Bukovetsky. Follow him at Ryan B. Ski and also Ryan B. Ski 1. He's the one keeping all this boat afloat. How you doing, Ryan? Uh, <laughs> well, oh, uh, everybody. Ryan's been sick, too. Ryan's been under the weather. Good thing he didn't have COVID, but it seems like he may have had the flu. Did you have any throwing up? Uh, I had nausea, but I didn't throw up. Okay, so it's not the stomach flu. Yeah. So how are you feeling? more of a sinusy thing. I mean, uh, I was feeling better, and then the Bears played. And uh, (laughs) I was like, I gave it back to you. Oh, yeah. So back where I started. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So everybody, you send uh, Ryan your prayers and your energy to hope that he feels better. We don't like having him down here. No, I want. If you want to make me feel better, we need to start a a Bears thing of fire Ryan Pace. That's what I need. We need that. The Gar Pack signs, the billboards from the day. We need the Ryan Pace gone sign. Did you see what he just did there? He went for the top. Cause see, they're gonna try to trick us with the low hanging fruit, right. which is Matt Nagy. No, 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 go to the top. All right, get it all out. All right, clean the whole house out. Just don't clean the basement. All right, clean the attic. Clean the main floor. Get it clean. All of it. Don't sit there and let Ryan Pace mm-hmm. make another decision because nobody told Ryan Pace he had to sit there and hire Matt Nagy. All right. Like that, that was his decision to hire Matt Nagy. Right. That was his decision not to put any uh, type of draft equity in that offensive line. So you go to the top and you still got this great defense and let somebody I've said it before, go get you someone's general manager and make him vice president or president of football operations over there at House Hall. That's right. someone with credible. Bump Sweaty Teddy into something, whatever, and promise, you know, Bill Belichick, president, whatever. And get somebody in here that knows what the hell they're doing. Facts. Facts. So, all right. We're going to get to that a little bit later. Uh, we got to go, definitely go from the top. Take it from the tippy. Oh, my people. I got a little uh, bit of uh, agitation. This kind of comes from USA Today, or it does come from USA Today. Uh, Lindsey Graham, a key ally for the president, said that he's spoken with officials in a number of key states about the presidential election and ballot counting, raising questions about the senator's role as the president. Trump continues to promote baseless claims about fraud. So this is the kicker. Georgia's secretary of state, Brad Raffensperger, who, if you didn't know, is a Republican, accused Graham Monday of pressuring him to find ways to exclude and invalidate illegally uh, cast absentee ballots and reverse Trump's loss in the state, an accusation that the South Carolina Republican called ridiculous. Lizzie Graham, how far are you going to go with this BS? It's just a question. Like, it's the crazy part that you guys allowed Trump to get so powerful that even in leaving office, you're afraid to agitate him because of fear of what he can do to his base, which you're using for your base. 
this is so much of so much of some bitch assy shit that I've never seen in a, a young gentleman as yourself, Lindsey Graham. And we know you're not young, but it's and I don't trust you. And it has nothing to do with your allegiance or your, your, your what partisan side you stand on. It has to do with your character. Your character is flawed. And it's time for you to look in the mirror and wake the fuck up and stop being a little bitch. That's all I had to say to Lindsey Graham. All right. That's all the little parts that I had to say. Did well, you have anything you want to add to that? Yeah, moment? with Lindsey, and boy, is he like a caricature of the crooked politician that's like useless? Like, <laughs> I love the, I say that possible flip story where Laura Ingram's like, all right, quit plugging your website and asking us for money. Like, when Fox News has had right. that Lindsey Graham, that's telling you a lot. Right. So, I mean, it's just, and again, I'm not even saying, listen, if this was a Democrat on this BS, I call the same thing. Oh, we yeah. Live in, we live in the state of Illinois. Uh, if you kind of see some of the some of the quips I took at uh, J.B. Prisker, who's the governor, when we had the Stevie Valles interview, um, I, listen, I don't yeah, care. Yeah, you asked about Dick Durbin. Yeah, I don't. These are Democrats. I don't I don't like the fact I feel like it's if you don't like the fact that Trump didn't show us who he's connected to financially with his tax returns, J.B. Prisker should be held to the same standard. I'm I'm being uh, I'm being as biased as unbiased, I should say, as possible. Uh, I'm not being partisan whatsoever. I'm trying to hold everybody to a certain standard. And I, I just don't like the fact that something as um, important as the integrity of our election is being played with for by a spoiled rich brat and people are going along with it. It's it's like at some point we all That's have to country. step up. Right. We, we all need to step up and be fucking adults. You know what I'm saying? It's just it's ridiculous to say the least. It's, it's, and the, it, then again, it's the fact that you have a, in Georgia a Republican government and Trump tweeted out that Raspinger, uh, the governor, are basically all signed off on it with Stacey, Stacey Abrams. Uh, and it's it just making it seem like this. There's some type of collusion between the three of them. When you know the governor, last thing he wants to do is lose that spot to Stacey Abrams, who was on his ass to get that job in the first place. All right. And the ways that he has been when he left being secretary of state and had been sitting there and, and using voter suppression in Georgia and how rampant it is. Then now it, when you have a situation where you probably I know there's going to be a runoff, but you're probably still going to end up with Republican senators there that you just lost. Like, the, why would the Republicans in Georgia give the re- election to Joe Biden? That doesn't even make sense logical sense whatsoever so and i can't deal when we're stepping outside of logic unless we're talking like sports and those some bs but like in real life shit no nah, man let's deal with some logic and stop being little kids man dude just lost he, he had the second amount of votes highest ever i mean second highest ever all right people turned out he lost all right let's let's get over this you guys are adults stop acting like kids who got your toy taken away from you right. all right just get over it all right and, on the and line, just just real quick it's, go ahead man you know when you play these games because this is what it is. It's a show like, oh, we have to stay loyal to the Republican side, put on the show. And then probably in a couple months when he's definitely out of there, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all legit in Georgia. It's just like, man, can people just stop playing around with the facade all the time? Yeah. And also in a way too, you know, another thing they're playing with, they're playing with our money. You know what I'm saying? Because they use our money. And I'm not saying necessarily when you look at Trump having his lawyers do this, they lose our money for these little pranks and bullshit that they do. And we think mm-hmm. it's all cute and funny when it, unless it has something to do with what you prefer or what you like. That's my mm-hmm. little last part of it. All right, on the lighter note. I was looking at thumbing through the news today and I saw something and I want to say it made me sad, but I can't say that because 
I don't watch this show anymore, but I'm always going to have an affinity for it. And it's the fact that after 28 years, Conan O'Brien is not going to have a late night show any longer. Mm. Yeah. And uh, his show over the last year, I believe, went to a 30 minute format. He's going to have of like, I think, a variety show on HBO Max. Uh, okay. So you can still, you can still get, get, get Conan, but um, I have, I remember arguing with one of my coworkers cause she was a, um, she was a Jay Leno fan. And I was like, damn, Jay Leno stabbed Conan in his back. She's like, what do you mean? I was like, how the hell did he's going to put a show on at nine o'clock and, and, and do that to Conan. Imagine if Johnny Carson would have done that to Jay Leno. Jay Leno wouldn't have been nothing. If Johnny right. Carson started to do a nine o'clock show, like if you think Jay Leno was big, you didn't know how big Johnny Carson was back in the day. So I was a little kid and stayed up to watch the last episode of the late show with Johnny Carson because Johnny Carson was huge. All right. And listen, your people that you like, Jay Leno, uh, uh, David Letterman, uh, Conan O'Brien, all wanted Johnny Carson's job because of what Johnny Carson did in that job. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That was that was the the, the 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 pinnacle of late night talk show hosting. So uh man, always Team Coco, uh, but definitely want to sit here and give a little shout out uh to 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 to, to Conan man, cause his his uh his little funny, quirky uh uh comedy always appealed to me as a youngster. Like uh yeah, so it just it always spoke to me. I forget it was to say- uh, it was the late, late show right yes, the late yes. night show the late oh, late show oh my gosh yeah. him after leno i would like i would just race to that tv right after leno's done and Dude. see conan and those skits. right right i i can't think what was the thing when they had like uh they put the little cloak around their neck and they'd be like in the year three thousand yeah. in the year three thousand like i just and then i know some people don't get it but it it worked for me uh, throughout my formidable years, basically. You know, so he's been on for 28 years. You know what I'm saying? So we're talking about he started basically when I was, I don't know, maybe just getting out of grade school. Yeah, I, I was like three. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I was, like I said, I may have been getting out of grade school. Uh, if you were three, like it's when he started. And the first was like, what is this? And then it was like, it spoke to me. And listen, I, when Andy left, the worst part is I didn't get back into it and they formed up formed up again. And I missed the fact that Andy wasn't there because I felt like people, if you didn't get to see when they first started, and it was Andy Richter. It was the two of them. But uh, yeah, so definitely shout out to Conan for entertaining us and uh, uh, millions and millions of people for late night all through these years and having the type of integrity and the type of quirky humor uh, that just kept us rolling and laughing with the silly dancing, with the pointing yeah. at his hip. Man, so when I saw that, but like I said, he's still going to be on HBO Max. Uh, it's going to be a weekly, so we'll still get a chance to laugh Good. with the former Simpsons writer. Uh, and Saturday Night Live writer also. I definitely want to see that. Did you watch Johnny Carson at all? Were you? Yes. Like, yes. it was yes. like I watched TV Johnny. and stuff. I wouldn't say it was appointment, but he was the he was the dude. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, because remember, there was no. There also, this is another thing too. There really wasn't anybody else because, okay, ABC tried. They had Pat Sajak actually had a late night show at one point. All right. Yeah, <laughs> no Pat Sajak show. ABC try, um, and then you had Arsenio, but Arsenio didn't go up against Carson. He went up against Letterman, right? So what you would have was like uh, on CBS, they would have uh, like four different shows rotating that played 
one day out of the week. So like on Thursday, I'd be like silk stockings, like these two detectives that were supposed to be sexy. Like they show mm. somebody putting on her stockings or whatever. If they mm. had or they had like this vampire show. I'm, listen, it, I'm, this is just coming to me right now. They had this vampire show. I think he may have been a cop too. They had like several shows and that, that they, whatever day it was, that, that show would air. It wouldn't play throughout the week. They only had a day. And then, uh, then our senior would come on. And the crazy thing was, when Letterman, because he did not get the Carson job, when he decided to leave when Jay Leno got so Jay Leno used to guest host Johnny Carson's show. So when um when, when Letterman went to CBS and I used to watch Letterman instead of Silk Stockings and whatever Forever Night. I think it was Forever Night was the uh, the vampire show, right? I think it was Forever Night. Forever I gotta night. I gotta Google that real quick. <laughs> Not the Dark Knight like Batman. Uh, the Knight night. of the City listen, that lives listen. forever. It's populated the forever night. night. Television series uh, had three seasons. All right. Um, let me see. It it ran from ninety two to ninety six. Right. So that's and that's around the time that uh, that's Letterman came over. That's around the time Letterman came over. All right. So uh, no, he came over before that. Actually, I'm wrong. He came over earlier than that, I want to say. But anyway, uh, shout out to... Uh, oh, let me finish this part. I'm sorry. So Letterman will actually, in a way, I hate to say this, will kind of put me to sleep and I wouldn't stay up for Arsenio anymore. Like, after I watched Letterman, I was sleepy. And not to say that uh, that David Letterman isn't uh, funny, but it just... It, he wasn't necessarily my cup of tea, even though, honestly, I watched David Letterman more than I watched Jay Leno. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I was more of a Letterman guy than Jay, than a Jay, Jay Leno guy. But, um, yeah... So uh, when I agree he did, with that. yeah, because like the only reason I brought that up was I never saw Johnny, and I know he's the best. And out of all the other late night, like one thing that Conan had on the show, what they weren't the best. In, it's like it's not a Hall of Famer, but it's like one of those really really good yeah. players, and it just had a chemistry and it had like it was like a like how big ticket Kevin Garnett, and then you had Big Baby who was playing really well, like Conan. Right. He was bringing. He was he better, than, he was better than Big Baby. He was. Yeah. You know who I, I play, you know what? This would be. This would, this can lead to another off top. He was Mark Burley, who yeah, is people like are that. pining for to get into the Hall of Fame. Which I don't know about that. Mark Burley is my favorite Sox pitcher. Um, I can see it though. Like he he was yeah. a bad man. He, he was consistent, and what they like Mark Burley did. He got in there. He got out. Right. Like. Conan was it was it was consistent. It was, if you like that style of play, so when using the same getting and got out, Mike Burley would have some of the shortest games in the MLB. Mm-hmm. Like he did not play up there on the mound. He got the ball back. He was throwing it back to, back to the, his back. Think style. of a, a more dominant Kyle Hendricks, very yeah, fast but more dominant stuff. Good point. Good point. Um, so yeah, shout out to uh, shout out to our guy Coco uh, on your next venture. So look, I'm a punt. Mark Burley, um, they, and I haven't read any of your articles, but I've been seeing articles saying why, perhaps because it's consistency. And I know they're going to use the fact that no one's going to get it 300 wins anymore, but um, that he should be in, in the Hall of Fame. All right, I got several problems with that. Mark Burley is really good. He's really good. I won't say really, really good, but he's really good. Um, but he never won a Cy Young. He was never one of the top two best pitchers in MLB. You don't think just for a little stretch? I want to listen. Couple years stretch. I'm not the top. Like I don't know if we could say top two because really, if we go back and look 
at those names those years who won the Cy Young, then it, super it, good. Yeah, so I don't I don't think because listen when I say top two, I can maybe say top three to four easily, but I'm trying to sit there and just yeah. say top two. You know, well, say, like and, one of the credentials is you got to be like the best at your position for yeah. And I think there maybe like 05, 06 ish around there. He wasn't. He wasn't the best pitcher in MLB in 05. Because he started an All Star game, right? Wasn't it like 05 or 06? He still wasn't the best. Listen, if he was the best pitcher, he should have won. Now you can get cheated from winning a Cy Young. Clearly, you can. But he would have. He would have won and probably garnered more Cy Young votes. And I mean, his his period of dominance to me is very short. It might be a season Mm -hmm. or two. So it's not like, you know, Pedro Martinez, who's just year in, year out, Roy Halladay, year in and year out. But especially when 05, he was really good. And I thought he had one of those perfect games in there or a no hitter. And then he dominated in the playoffs. I felt like that's a little bit of a stretch where you can say he was like, if not the best pitcher in the AL, maybe the number two. Look, real quick, a look at the career statistics for Burley. May not present a Hall of Fame-worthy resume. He was an all-star uh, five times, won four gold gloves, but he only received uh, Cy Young votes one time. He never let the leagues in wins, earn run average, or strikeouts. He wasn't flashy. This is from uh, Call to the Pen is where I'm reading this off from. So, again, he only got Cy Young votes one time. And you one know? other thing I wanted to ask you, mm-hmm. with they just said – he never really led the league in wins. Is that kind of why he no, was in the Cy Young? Well, back then, but you know, I'll say this: back then, wins matter. You know, right. I think when, like, uh, what was it? Uh, so Felix Hernandez. What was the um, what was the the pitcher that uh, for the Marlins? Not the Marlins, yeah. the Mariners. Yeah, Felix Hernandez. I think he was really the first guy to get a Cy Young who didn't have an assortment amount of wins, just like you saw mm-hmm. the Prime a couple years ago. So back then with Burley, you you probably, he would have needed wins probably because he's not striking anybody. He's not striking an assortment amount of people out. You know what I'm saying? His ERA wasn't ridiculous. So he he would have needed something to pile on top of that to garner him uh, a Cy Young uh, perhaps. You know what I'm saying? But he was really good. I Listen, the fear I have is with uh, power playing uh, Jerry Reinsdorf is that he's about to Harold Baines' situation and put put his thumb on the scale, right? Is Tony LaRusso on that committee too? I thought right. <laughs> I think he is. I think he is on that committee. You know what I'm saying? So like, that's what I would like. I could listen. This to me, this has Jerry Ronsdorf written all over it, right? Like, oh, okay. I'm about to, Jerry Ronsdorf is about to do whatever the hell he wants before he gets up out of this this bitch. I got a quick up for grabs that I just thought of right now. It okay. is Mark Burley. Even if you don't think he's a Hall of Famer, is he the most uh, worthy of the Hall of Fame out of all the past kind of great White Sox? We took a Canerico and some of those other guys around 05, early 2000s, even late 90s. He's whoa! You can't put Paul Canerico in the same breath as Mark Burley. And you know, I always got Canerico's and I do not dislike Paul Canerico. It's just um, he was a tad bit too much of a fan favorite for me. You know what I'm saying? It was kind of like, hmm. You know, that's what right. people would say, you know, I yeah, agree with you, but people right. would be really? like, he's, he's a Hall of Famer. He, 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 but the, the, so the problem one, when I always part of with, with Paulie, man, really, Paulie only had one year. And I, if, you, if you're a real Sox fan, you know I'm not lying, where he was consistent in both halves. Paulie, I'll say this, he was so good, 
he would make his numbers up in the half to where they would look good at a decent at the end of the year. And definitely he, he had a good glove on him. You know what I'm saying? And he was a leader. You know what I'm saying? He was definitely a clubhouse leader. You know what I'm saying? But when you start comparing, listen, Paul Conerco, and take, take glove work out of it, but you can add it to, is not as good as Jose Abreu. You know what I'm saying? And that's just the truth of the matter. You know what I'm saying? Like he's well, how many times did Parker Negro lead the league in RBIs? And I know RBI is the biggest stat, but just in general, how many times did he lead the league in RBIs? Mark Burley uh, was damn good at his job. Parker Negro was good. Parker Negro was good at his job. You know what I'm saying? But Mark Burley was damn good. And he was also someone that was a leader too. And this is for a pitcher. A lot of people feel like if you're not an everyday player, that it's harder for you to be a leader. Uh, but yeah, I don't. Out of those guys back then that you're talking about, I would have to see if one. Like I me mean, now, I would have to see. And he wasn't with the Sox that long. I would have to see Freddie Garcia's overall stats. I was going to throw in Jim Tomey, but I don't know if he was there long enough to count. He of- wasn't there. I mean, he's in the Hall of Fame. You know what I'm saying? So, but I'm saying so when you look at just his White Sox. Oh, oh no! It's, I mean, it's his White Sox resume. No. Jim Tomey's career resume from yeah. Indians with well, Cleveland baseball team, I apologize, to Philadelphia to here. Yeah, it's not even a question that Jim Tomey is a Hall of Famer. It's not, that's by all means. He he, got, he earned getting into that Hall. Um, but yeah, out of those guys, I think you asked a really good question. Out of those guys, probably, because I feel like if Maglio would have never gotten hurt, Maybe mm-hmm. he would have probably been that guy if he if Maglio would have always been. He had he had some good years when he went to Detroit, but if he stayed Max through that, mm-hmm. Maglio probably would be Hall of Fame worthy. Uh, Jermaine Dye had injury problems before he got here that kind of took away from his career. Um, and Jinx kind of just flamed out a little bit. Oh, Jinx, you don't even you can't even mention Bobby Jinx at the Hall of Fame. And I love me some big bad Bobby Jinx, but no. that's like you can't but just because you're he a had that dominance for like he was, that, like he was a top three for the Cubs. He was a he was a top three closer at uh, uh, at least two years, perhaps. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like he was top three. You know, so him like Papelbon, um, you know, like he was up there in that Scotty time. Potts, he was, he, he like, be up there. Mo Rivera, no, hell no. Remember, like, Scotty Pye's best year was that year, and I wonder why. But <laughs> seemed like there was a little bit of tinkering in that off field with some juice. Listen, you talk about Scotty Pye's, but what about that guy that was playing center field with the, <laughs> the full mustache running into walls as a Philadelphia? Yeah, uh, Aaron uh, Rowan. Yeah, oh yeah, what about gunned up Aaron Rowan? So, Team leader. Right. So, um, no, Mark Burley, that's a good question. Mark Burley probably would, uh, he would be the guys out of that team. Outside, of course, Frank Thomas. But, uh, I mean, Frank's in the hall, too. Frank's in the hall. You know, Frank's in the hall. So, so uh, yeah, but that's a good was just super good. Like, I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if he was a Hall of Famer. I could see, though, why you would keep him out, too. Yeah. Listen, would I be, would I be happy somewhat? Because I've always respected baseball's Hall of Fame for being as stingy as it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like that. Maybe it, mean, it meant something to really earn getting into that Hall of Fame. So as a Sox fan, he's my favorite Sox pitcher. Part of me would like it, but a part of me wouldn't like it because it's just, and also it's just like, Jerry, you're just doing whatever to the Hall now, right? But it's like, you forced Harold through. Now here you go. <laughs> like, and it's like, yeah, I'm a Sox fan. Is like, that where it started? You, Is Harold you know Baines to blame for Tony LaRusso's hiring as manager? Man, dude, <laughs> listen, you just tracked that one down. You just tracked that one down right there. That's exactly when it started. He, listen, when he pulled that through, he was like, I can do whatever. But, 
Um, if it, 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 it happens, it will be, um, I guess I'll be feeling somewhat melancholy. You know what I'm saying? Because um, it's like, it, it, you know what? It's the equivalent of what we opened up the show talking about Lindsey Graham. And yes, we're lefty leaning, but if something that seems odd on the left, it doesn't mean I'm going to like it. That's the same way I'm applying this. I love Mark Burley, right? But I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. And um, and it's unfortunate, but I mean, that it's a credit to him that he played well enough to get into this conversation. You know what okay. I'm saying? But I don't think, if in his heart of hearts, I don't think he believes he's a Hall of Famer. You know what I'm saying? Like, like Bur- Burley usually doesn't BS. I wonder if, if you could ask him, and I'm sure he may not want to answer that now because he would be harming himself if he's like, I'm not a Hall of Famer. You know what I'm saying? But I, just because you're yeah, one of my like favorite if players. If you're off the record at a, at a bar right. or with a bear. With a little juice in him and, yeah. and a, or in a, a deer stand somewhere uh, since he likes to sit there and hunt. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, to me, it's, something doesn't sit well. I wouldn't have made a can. <laughs> so yeah, something doesn't sit well. But you know what? Let's transition and talk a little bit of football. Uh, the Bears lost yesterday Monday night, on Monday Night Football. They gave Kirk Cousins his first win in prime time, which that lets you know how bad this season is going. What was the score? 13 and 19, Ryan? Am, am I correct? Yes, 19 to 13. 19 to 13 uh, for the Vikings. Uh, Nick Foles got hurt at the end of the game. Uh, this was poetry in motion, to say the least. Um, I did think the Bears could win the game, and the Bears actually could. They, the Bears' defense is playing run, uh, it, run uh, stopping. The last two games has been phenomenal. Um, to sit there and keep Dalvin Cook under 100 yards after he's rushed for 200 the last two games, um, and, and it's been mentioned as an MVP to stop Derrick, basically stop Derrick Henry the week before. You know, and this team has been getting gashed in ways since last season. They, they've been good, good defense. But their run defense hasn't been what it was two years ago in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, but to see them step up defensively was definitely rewarding. Uh, to see Cordero Patterson um, lead this team in, in the way that he's doing offensively from the kickoff returns, also from coverage, uh, to listen. And it's the thing, too. I'm going to be honest with you. Everybody keep giving um, David Montgomery uh, plaudits over plaudits over plaudits. I know he's a rough rider. I'll tell you that. But you saw just a little bit with Lamar Miller how he's he he got low in those holes. You saw like when we always say like David Montgomery's getting hit. Now offensive line they play better a little bit better, but David Montgomery's always getting hit in the backfield. Sometimes I'm telling you, sometimes it's his vision and where he thinks he's supposed to be going. Sometimes the, the, the offensive lines are terrible. I'm not putting that everything on David Montgomery, but just pointing out even with Kadero Patterson, sometimes with Montgomery. He's he's dancing and it doesn't look like dancing is what we would call dancing, but he's hesitant in his moves. And sometimes I feel like he chooses uh, necessarily the, the, the wrong gap to necessarily be in. Um, this Can is I the best part. Jump on, Go ahead. Uh, oh, jump on, jump real in. quick. Go ahead. That's a third round pick. And like you said, he's got some dog to him. He's got some break tackle like he has value. But mm. there is just no playmaking and he misses holes a lot. And right. I'm just wondering. That's a third round pick. I mean, that's not that's not a nothing. That's and you moved up to get for the next five Did years. They, yeah, they move up. They moved yeah, up they to get him. Up. Yes, right. And we never saw him and in the passing game. What? Yeah, they had no picks themselves, and they traded up to get it. So, and that was the whole point of that draft. It, it, the Bears needed a running back. Supposedly, Dave Montgomery was Matt Nagy's guy. He's the perfect Kareem Hunt equivalent. But Kareem Hunt can't run away from people. Like, 
I don't know exactly what uh, what the Bears have been doing at that running back position. I just don't get it. I mean, how many skill positions have can you say that Ryan Pace has been good at necessarily solving when it comes to uh, uh, picking up guys like that he drafted, not that he signed a free agency? Yeah, I mean, you can definitely say the same thing right there that they failed to address and figure out whatever the problems are at the skill position. And even if anybody would bring up Allen Robinson, does anyone remember when John Fox was here and they had like a signing of Marcus Wheaton and like a few of these other guys and they were going to be your top three receivers and the Bears easily had the worst receiving core all season long in the NFL? Like he always takes two steps backwards with whatever signing, drafting, doesn't matter. I'm looking for, because it's a comp I want to say, a comp that I want to say I have for who I believe David Montgomery is. And I'm trying to find, who was the running back around, if you can remember, that the Chiefs let go of LT for? He ended up playing for uh, the Eagles. Ryan Matthews. Uh, Ryan Matthews. He ended up playing for, yeah, 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 listen. That's who David Montgomery. Listen, that's who David Montgomery better hope he can be. Now, Matthews has some injury problems, but he reminds me of that dude, like someone who's straight. And we keep waiting for him to be yeah. like that dude. But it's like, you know what? He's straight. Like, and I, I'm just, I'm tired of people caping for him because some of that is him. All right. Like, some of that is hit the hole and go. But really, that's, that's, that's some small potatoes compared to the gloriousness of what took place yesterday. Listen, you turn on, it started like, what, last week or the week before you started on national TV, national uh, talk heads blasting them. It just breaks the grace. You know why? Because the McCaskey that, right? Like once you, let's see, if it's only in the city thing, when nationally, they're like, what the hell is going on in Chicago? Ah, now we got you. Listen, and I hope the Bears don't win another game this year, right? Me too. If the, if the Bears don't, if the Bears probably finish under 500 for sure, I think Matt Nagy's out of here. Now, you opened the show up with saying the truth. The real issue is Ryan Pace. No, no, Matt Nagy's a big issue, right? But see, if we're trying to get to the cancer, we got to get all of the yeah. cancer. Right. right? We, you you got to remove this the tumor. tumor. Right. He'd be like, yeah, just cut half of that tumor out. Just half of it now. Leave a little, leave, you got to leave a little bit of that tumor. Or old line that Biggie said about uh, about a, a pistol or a gun. He's like, uh, don't fill the gun in those, those, those bullets room to breathe, right? Which is like, no, nah, BS. Fill the gun up all the way just in case, right? Like, you want to sit there and get all the cancer out. And the truth is, Ryan Pace has led this shit show, all right? And has he done some good things? Yes. Um, some drafting wise, I can't lie, but a lot of the good things come from covering his own ass and sign, signing a, a Khalil Mack when you thought you had a, a, um, a all pro and Leonard Floyd that you you moved up to get. Actually, you know what I'm saying. So it's just compounding the, these 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 issues to see that. And I, I will say this: I know people was like the offense, whatever with the offense. That offense looked a little bit better yesterday. Yeah, just to be honest with you, it did. It looked well it, between the twenties. It looked better. That's the, girl, I'm, ha- I'm so happy you said that because I would have forgotten that part because that's actually what I was thinking yesterday, Ryan. They look good in between the 20s. But when they got to the red zone, it was stagnant. They didn't know what they were doing. But also, 
Nick Foles was bad yes. too. Yes. Nick Foles was bad. So it just but I, if you if moving forward, I would say let Bill Lazor call these call these games, right? That was that's what I, I would say. More rhythm to it, and the plays made more sense. And he played to the strengths, but your quarterback couldn't complete it. Now that pass right. that Miller the Miller should have had that pass, right? Even though the, the, the hesitancy Yes, Nick Foles waited too long. Just like with the um with the pass to Jimmy Graham. Don't get it. Horrible. Like, I don't know. Listen, I now I know he's shell shocked from getting beat up, but you still gotta you still gotta throw a man open and not wait for him to get open. You know what I'm saying? It was like so they're, early in the game, like you haven't been beat up that much. You can't step right. up and make a throw now. My goodness, and you miss him by a mile. Man, Nick Foles. Jimmy Graham, this massive human being, you miss him by a mile. And Jimmy Graham hasn't been giving it a hundred, uh, but um, still, Nick Foles, man, was playing like done doo doo. All right, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not happy he got hurt. Be interesting to see Mitch get back out there. And he can't. Shoulders listen, hurt. He's listen, done for. Who knows? I don't care what happens right now. Listen, get, make yeah. it bad enough. Make it bad enough so we don't have to watch it. Right. Get Tyler Let's get Brady back. Let's get to that point. It's like, man, we don't even, we're not going to talk about it on the show. What's the point of watching it? But it's but the reason why it's good that this is happening is for us fans. They can't hide behind the BS. And this is what we need. We need to fumigate this house. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And this will may give the chance to fumigate it. Instead of sitting here and trying to, you know, we, we, we're cleaning the house up. We put the we put the bomb in one part of the house, but upstairs when we put the bomb up, so the critters are now upstairs. Right. As soon as the fumigation leaves, they're gonna bring the ass back downstairs. No, no, right. Whole house. All right. Like now, you, right. you went to Home Depot, got these cheap ass like no, we need the circus tent up now. Right. right, right. And listen, it's to the point where we may just raise the house. All right. Just bulldoze the whole damn thing. Right. Yeah, these bugs ain't going. They they're, they're part of the foundation. It's just, it's time. And I'll tell you why it's time. It's time because you still have a window with this defense. That's one thing Ryan Pace has done. You look at Jalen Johnson, all right? You look bringing in Gibson. And not to say that Gibson is going to be here for the, for the long haul, but you, you sit here, you, you, you look at how well uh, Roquan has been balling out. Danny Trevathan all of a sudden. It's back. Right? And listen, especially he better been after Nick Kukowski got that interception that that long wind exception the other day. I was like, I remember, I was like, was that Nick Kukowski? <laughs> Damn that Nick Kukowski! <laughs> Kukowski! <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's time. And listen, shout out to my former host D. Never been a Mad Nagy guy. Guess what, D? Nope. You were right. You were right. <laughs> you were right, bro. You were right. You, you know, Ken, uh, one thought that I had yesterday. And this is to me why you got to fire Ryan Pace. It's really that simple. There's kind of just two ways of doing it in terms of winning in the NFL. You build such a perfect team that an average enough quarterback can maybe lead you there. Or you identify the quarterback that will lead you there because he's so talented and he'll make things up. You know, I'm watching that game and we talked about that miss to Jimmy Graham. It's like, just pretend Russell Wilson was here. Like, he doesn't mm-hmm. miss that throw. Uh, mm-hmm. All these these little drops and penalties and miscommunication, that stuff gets erased if you're throwing multiple 50-yard touchdown passes in a game. I mean, right. that, there's just no margin for error, right? So, Ryan Pace, well, what did you do in terms of 
let's stick with that first thing that I mentioned, building a perfect team. He has not built a perfect team. He's built a good special teams. He's built a really good defense. This offense is the guys he picked that he mm-hmm. wanted here. Why can't we get rid of Charles Leno Jr. and Bobby Massey? Well, because he overpaid them like crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, these are the quarterbacks. He wanted Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky. Those were everything is Ryan Bases design. So he's not good enough to build a perfect right. Not good enough to build a perfect team. And then let's look at the other side. What has he done to try to find that special quarterback? Well, he whiffed on two in the mm-hmm. draft. He signed Mike Lennon and paid him a bunch of money to do that. He traded for Nick Foles inexplicably because he is just exactly what we thought he would be. He got benched behind Gardner Minshew, and even Jacksonville doesn't want Gardner Minshew as their quarterback long-term. You watch your Gardner Minshew, the second hey, slander. You know they're going for Trevor if he's there. Listen, the second and his father, is there is no first. All right? I'll, g- I'll the- give you this. I'll take Gardner on this team in a heartbeat. I bet you would. I bet you would. But there was George oh, my on. God, yeah. Listen, oh, yeah, uh, that's what it comes down to. But, but my point see- overall <laughs> is just that he hasn't done it either way, either building it correctly around the quarterback or identifying quarterback. He's only drafted one, and we're supposed to trust him in this all-important quarterback draft class to just suddenly figure it out? Like, come on. Man, we may get our boy, though. Now we're back in the race, right? We're back in the trailer. <laughs> Listen, this has been listen. If this season could go from being five and one, right, to where it's and been a stressful five and one, this has been the oh most. Oh my gosh! Ooh, just, none of these games felt good. But go from that and thinking, man, they're gonna make it to the playoffs and get their ass bounced, and it's gonna look like they actually did something. To they now they're getting exposed, and we can get our quarterback. I'm totally. <laughs> I know, like, we always said in our group chat, they could definitely make the playoffs. And honestly, they still could if things turned around or they got lucky. But the best case, lose the rest of these games. Don't even sniff a victory. So sweet. So sweet. Give me, let's leapfrog the Cowboys in the the draft. (laughs) Totally. Look, and the fact that if they, and I had them on my fantasy team, and I'm not even a Dak Prescott fan. And the fact that you see how valuable Dak Prescott was to the Cowboys, he kept that floundering squad oh, in every my God. game. Don't, dude, who, honestly, honestly, who the hell is um, – what's what's the running back for the I – mean, how did it just blanked out on uh, Ezekiel see? Elliott? Oh, who the hell is Ezekiel You pay him? Right. You, you pay him. Running back. Running back. Running back. Oh, my God. I can see him in Cabo assaulting somebody right now. But uh, like, yeah, imagine just Dak Prescott on this team. Like, we don't even know if Dak is a top 10 guy. He might be, might not be. With this defense and how he plays, oh, Lord. It'd be sweet. It'd be sweet. We'd be, you know what we'd be doing right now? We'd be, like, just, like, foaming at the mouth that this is the bye week right before the Packers. We mm. would be like, oh, baby, I can't wait. You know who and Dak Prescott is? Physically not the same because Dak can run a little bit, but Dak Prescott is like Kirk Cousins with his shit together. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like he's not like great, that. but he listen. If Kirk Cousins really had his shit together. You'd be like, that's my quarterback, right? You'd be like, you may not, he may not be Brady or Russell Wilson or Patrick yeah. Mahomes, but that that guy right there, 
we good. We don't have to worry about that that slot right there. You know what I'm saying? And that's what Dak is. You know what? We don't have to worry about. It. And it's I hate to say it. It's good that the Cowboys have to face that they spent all this money on all this trash, and he was the stir the straw that stirred the drink. Right. Right. He kept them. He kept that train on the rails, and just look at it totally fall off the rails after he got hurt like this. Uh, somehow the Cowboys didn't get the memo that quarterback is the most important position. That's the one you got to fix and pay. <laughs> right. Everybody else. Right. Everybody else doesn't. A running. Listen, I know Zeke, especially a few years ago, man, off the charts. But man, I'm not. I'm not giving you that money, bro. <laughs> like, I get the dog. These kids come out every year now, right? You look at what Jenkins was doing. Uh, Ed Zolaire is doing. Like, you can do Nick Chubb. You can get one of these cats. Yeah, right. All right? You could get Travis Etienne right now. Right. The I, was, I was searching for Etienne. You, like you just said, you can get Etienne right now. Dog, this Insul- I mean, uh, um, Clyde Insulaire. What's what's his whole name? I'm getting, I'm just stumbling on it. The, the, uh, the, the, uh, oh, the kids. Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Yeah, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Thank you. Uh, when you look at him from LSU last year and the fact that he was taken with the last pick in the first round, that means he was there for everybody, right? He was there for everybody. You could get you one of those, to say the least. And even look at the Raiders. I think that was the same draft where they got Josh Jacobs. Maybe it's the year before Killer. and they did it uh, t- around 20. Like, yeah, you can get those running backs and maybe get them younger. Right. So yeah, I, w- I wouldn't I wouldn't have given them that. But getting back to the Bears, um, it is upsetting. I'm sure you're upset, but there there is um, there's a little bit of rainbow in this 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 situation. I mean, if you listen to us, giving it to you, there's something to be happy. If you really want to see this team win a championship, you know we can't go on with the, this 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 false administration, right? Right? We like you. It's not right. going to happen. And it just we're going to wait. We'll give give Ryan Pace a decade at trying this. All of us know he's not that cat. That and cat. I think both of us don't think he's necessarily bad. He's just not, not good. He's he just an have, average GM at best. He should be someone that is 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 in charge of some personnel. No, he should be in charge of pro personnel. All right, because that's something that he he can't hit on. And he should he should have some. He should be in a draft room. Uh, not just with the right. first two rounds, specifically the first, specifically the first one. He should, but he needs someone to be over him to tell him no. You know, he right. just can't have a full run of the decision making because he—that's just not his forte uh, for the most part. Particularly when we're talking about higher up in the draft. When and those are the, the listen. Everyone can whiff on a first round pick. You can't consistently whiff on them because you end up having to overpay free agents to cover up your whiffing. So. Again, it, this, this, it's Bears fans. Does it suck that our Sundays are, are, are spent watching this team and thinking about what could have been? Yeah, but in your heart of hearts, you know what could have been was never going to become. It was never going to come to fruition. So it's just let's stop lying to ourselves like we said in the early segment about some other folks. Let's be realistic. Let's get rid of Nagy. Let's get rid of Ryan Pace. Let's give this organization to one some some great personnel person. All right? Bump them right. up. And let's let's run it like a first-rate operation. Like that's that's the real thing. This needs to be run like a first-rate operation. Let's stop running it like it, it, it's not the charter right. uh, team in the NFL. Let's run it with like some you're pride. Cleveland or something, or like Cincinnati like or something. But you know what? Even Cleveland at times throughout, uh, like carbon policy, like they've at times it just didn't work. They put a great mind at the figurehead in that organization, right? It just didn't come to fruition. Right. And so even an organization like that, and that's that's a couple owners ago, 
you still see they they gave it they gave it a real go at it in trying to get it right. I, we've never had that here where someone wasn't getting promoted really or learning on the job. They got guarding somebody, a Bill Polian, right? They've never been the person, the same type of team that would bring in a Bill Polian. And they need to bring in a Bill Polian type now. That's what they really need to do. They need to stop this. Uh, you got to defense. This defense can be good for three more years at least. And it, there's going to be some overturn, but you got three more years with this defense. Give it a, give that young quarterback, get him in here on the cheap. All right. Right. So you you still got more cash. Let's let's get some offensive Beat linemen. That there. line that pushes people. And right. Let's move it. So yeah, man. I, I was sitting there and I was watching. Um, I was I forgot what I was watching. I was watching uh, NFL Countdown or the, the NFL uh, show that comes on before the game, and I, they were talking about how basically defenses are like that's a that's a trick scheme, a razzle dazzle. All right, defense. Like they try to trick you, and they, I mean offenses, offensive lines. What I'm going to tell you in running game, but they, there's nothing to it. They're not punching you in the mouth. Um, it's just Matt Nagy doesn't know what he's doing. That's just true for matter, Matt. Matt Nagy doesn't know. You you took somebody that Andy Reid had just started giving real responsibilities right. to, right? And you gave him a whole team. He's he should have been a caller, right? Look, we should have known. This was should have happened. He should have been offensive coordinator, right? We would have would have found out he sucked, and we would have been like, at the end of the year, we got to get another get an OC, right? But to give a guy. That yeah, he was he was the OC, but he wasn't the play caller. So he's only OC in title, not OC in duties. All right. You you can't do that. It doesn't make sense. And it's and I've been a person that said I love Matt Nagy. So I was wrong. All right. So let me let me Ditto. let me come let me come to the courts floor and, and say that. But look, I can look, but just the crazy thing. I as a person that as Ken should Ken sit here and be like, man, I said this about Nad Matt Nagy, so you know I'm not gonna call for him to get fat. No, I just own up to being wrong. Like it's, it's so easy in this world to if you make a mistake, especially if you didn't call someone there's life and you didn't uh, commit a crime, just own up to it and keep it moving. You know what I'm saying? So shout out to D again. Uh D was right. I want to make sure I give D as, as many applause as possible. Uh, because uh, he definitely always said that. And now Matt Nagy has proven him correct that, you know, this dude, I wouldn't let you be my OC. I, like, I may let you be a quarterback's coach, right? Like, that's that, I may let you do that. But I wouldn't even let you be my OC now, man, because you you just, you all messed up. Y'all shook well, up. It sucks, too. Like, I don't want to defend Matt Nagy at all. I feel exactly how you feel. But, you know, if Ryan Pace maybe got him an offensive line that could punch someone in the mouth, maybe he wouldn't want to run the rock. I get it, but maybe he'd use it more. Or if he had a quarterback that could throw the ball accurately. I mean, not. I don't want to make it sound like Matt Nagy's just going to be better, but how well can you do with terrible personnel? You know damn well Matt Nagy told Ryan Pace to get in their folds. That was on hey. Matt Nagy, too. Oh, uh, that's... Totally fine. All right. But and I'm so, sure Matt Nagy told him, get rid of Mitch. <laughs> I'm, listen, I'm, I, I can agree with that. But you know what? The thing is what we're getting to is the, now since Mitch hasn't been there, and yes, the offensive line has been bad, but it exposes that it just wasn't Mitch. Like, that's the thing. And also, if it exposes that it just wasn't Mitch, what was Matt Nagy doing for Mitch? Because if we're saying Matt Nagy can't coach, then he can't raise up a quarterback. 
You know what I'm saying? Like he he can't help a quarterback mature and like you know some matriculate into what you want him to be. Like that doesn't like he's being exposed. And if yeah. if he's been exposed, this not a, when I just said he can be an OC. I'm going to the things that I could trust him with. I think I could trust him to be in a quarterback room, uh, being a guy that was a quarterback in the arena league, being in the quarterback room and point out some things and maybe help a quarterback because he's not the guy calling the plays. You know, saying he's not the head man. But outside of that, I don't I don't trust Matt Nagy with with a lot. You know what I'm saying? I, I hate to say that, but it's really just the truth. Like, and I I'm just. I'm not I'm not capable for him, man. He he hasn't proven diddly squat. And if he did not get out to such an unexpected jump that first season, his ass it, he, his ass would be done after this year. Clearly, he'd be done, and it wouldn't just be a question; it'd be a fact. I agree. I agree. I just wonder if maybe different team does he have a slightly better perspective? But I guess it really doesn't matter much in the end. But it, it's great. I hate. I just hate how. You know, it's a common theme. I thought Lovey got the short end of the stick, too. How many years of endless first-round busts that were not good picks and Lovey had to deal with how many teams that were a little bit under-talented and I don't want to make a ton of excuses for Lovey because I thought he needed to go, too. He was time for him to go. It was time for him to go. And like, everybody that we've seen in Chicago has been at best average. You know, it would really help a coach if the GM could actually put together a really great team. I'll, I'll say this too, just real quick, to 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 to, to jump on the Lovey point. Let's not forget that there was a point where Lovey gained some power. So even some of those picks, we gotta look at Lovey a little bit because Lovey, after going to that Super Bowl, had more control of this team. That's why uh, Riverboat Ron was ex was was was, yeah, was, right. was sent to packing because Lovey didn't want him behind him. Was also was a flaw of Lovey because Lovey never wanted to hire anybody that was good enough to take his job in case he had those lean years where if you had a good uh, assistant uh, or coordinator behind you, someone would promote that coordinator. So I'm, I don't want to just sit there and make it seem like everything was 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 cool with Lovey. There was also and even when it gets to the drafting, he had some input into that draft. But um, no the doubt. thing here with Ryan Pace, and I think this is um, this is why you really can't trust him. He can't self evaluate. Period. Mm-hmm. Can't self. He doesn't. I don't know if his ego or he just can't do it. But he can't. Ooh. Good question. He yeah, he can't self evaluate. Like you, and you, you, you'll be lying to yourself if you, if you thought he, he could. From last year, see, and last year the excuse was Mitch. So I was like, man, damn it, if I had his quarterback here. But even back then, I can remember hearing. Dan Bernstein say, I don't know what the hell this offense is, right? Like, what is exactly is this offense? You know what I'm saying? And it's it's got a lot of razz- – old Bear fans know it's got a lot of razzle-dazzle on it. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's, it's never like actually, only razzle-dazzle. Actually, I don't even know if it's got a, if it's got any dazzle. It may have it's a little razzle. It's like a steak when it's, like, super fatty. And right. it's just like, oh, I got to eat all uh, this fat. There's no right. even muscle here. <laughs> like it's all razzle dazzle all the time. Yeah, just bristle. I, I just I don't know. It it's just it's insanity to me. Like Ryan Pace has built probably the worst offense I've ever seen in my lifetime. It's not a question. It's not a question. This there I have never, I don't believe in my and dude, I've seen Harbaugh and all he had was 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 Tom Waddle, right? Uh, and like so I've seen some bad Tom Waddle. Yeah, I've seen some but getting clicking. Listen. He got his clock clean, but he held on to that rock, right? Like, he may have been out cold. Tom Waddle held on to that rock. Don't let anybody fool you about Tom Waddle. Tom oh, Waddle's no. tough Waddle's as nails, man. right? But um, slow, slow is paced, but tough as nails. 
But um, I see some terrible Bears offenses. And I said this to myself two to three weeks ago. It's not a question. It's the worst Bears offense I've ever seen in my life. And the question, you know, it's compounded by the fact that they got talent on the team. This makes yeah. it even worse. They got skilled players that are, that are decent, at least. You know, Allen Robinson is better than decent. Um, Jimmy Graham, I don't know how, how. Jimmy Graham, I watch Jimmy Graham's body language a lot, and I'd be like, I don't think I could trust that MF. You know, <laughs> definitely great. Player. But Darnell Mooney with a good scheme. You don't think this dude would be exploding on the scene here? Right, right, dude. Like, all you need, dude, is to sit there. Oh, uh, you need to, you need to, you got to get offensive line with a free agency. I don't know who you got to cut, right? But you got to get a, I, I don't know how much, and I know when we were sitting there, um, I was on uh, Sean O'Mine and Lester Wilfong from uh, 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 Windy City Gridiron was on, and I asked him about the, uh, the, 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 the uh, money for, um, what's the other, um, Bobby Mason, Charles Leno. No, the edge rusher, they brought Robert Quinn. Oh, Robert Quinn. And uh, he said, you know, Robert Quinn, I think he, after next year is when the money isn't necessarily prohibitive of you getting rid of him, which I knew, right? But he also pointed out this, I'll say this. He said that Robert Quinn hasn't been given a chance because we all know, basically, he didn't say this, but I'll, I'll paraphrase it. Uh, he's not a run stopper, right? He, and the Bears haven't been able to stop the run. So we haven't really been given Robert Quinn because he hasn't been out there basically in a situation, and also because of the offense. This is a real. This is the point he made. I said the run stop point. He made the fact that the Bears haven't been basically playing from ahead because we know from growing up when you play from ahead, you let those edge rushers rushers pin their ears back. And I'm just telling you from playing football, it's nothing better than a coach telling you, "Don't worry about nothing, just rush the quarterback." Like, don't worry about right. the running back. Don't worry about what he's doing. No, no, no. Don't, don't even worry about that. Just go. And like when your coach tells you that, you're like, for real? Right? Like he tells you have no responsibility. Just go. You're like, okay, great. Like, and you, 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 you sit there and they, those edge rushers haven't been put in this position because they've been playing from behind basically majority of the season. Right? Actually, I think majority of the season for the most part. I mean, so, even when they go, they have to have in the back of their mind, don't go too hard and make a mistake because then we get a touchdown game over. Right, because we know offensively we can't do anything. Um, but, yeah, they have to – they have to – and think about it, the cap is probably shrinking because of the pandemic. Uh, but they got to get offensive alignment in the draft and through free agency. That's just the truth of the matter. That's one way to start to shore this up. But, but this is a, this is more than one season because you definitely got to get rid of uh, Charles Leno Jr. Like, And I know that you can't get rid of – you may not be able to get rid of him next year. You can kind of solidify the stuff around him. But after next year – he needs to be on his way down the street. And I mean, I don't care where down the street is as long as it's not Chicago. Hey, and Ken, to add to that, if maybe you have to put a very expensive Charles Leno Jr. on the bench because you're forced to draft another tackle and he's playing better, that's what you do. That's yeah, your and mistake, and you live with that, with Leno being on the bench. And listen, even even more of what you're saying, and like you're saying, who really would really want to do that? One, if you clean out Ryan Pace, the next guy didn't sign him. He can do whatever he wants to. But what you would do have still with Leno on the bench. And again, I don't see. I don't know how 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 punitive the rest of his money is as far as dead cat money. I, I want to look into that. We, we guess we'll kind of have that for you for the next show. But if you did do that, um, you would have a, a very talented swing tackle down there. You know what I'm saying? For because I'm saying a bench guy. If Charles Leno was a bench guy, but it's hard to have a bench guy making the type of money. And he doesn't make supreme tackle money. You know what I'm saying? No. He makes he makes some straight, some real straight tackle money, but he doesn't make tackle tackle money. 
or but it's whatever. enough money to make you want to throw up with how much yeah. you're committed to him. Right, especially years on top of that. And, you and know, especially stuff. you throw the other right tackle. He just has another contract that you can't break out of on top of it. Right. So if I had to deal with a kid to keep one of them, I would probably prefer to keep Massey. You know, some people would say that they wouldn't necessarily agree with that. Um, but, yeah, they, this, these are the things that you must do. I would say they're not even the things you need to do. These are must-haves as far as correcting this team and taking advantage of the window that you still have while it, it's somewhat open. Exactly. All right, let's switch over to a little bit of the boys of summer. Um, found out today that Theo Epstein, president for the Cubs, uh, on the, is he president for the, for, on the baseball operations side? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Theo, who everyone knew was going to step down next year because he believes in only having a decade run with the franchise. Uh, this was his ninth year. Decided to do the right thing uh, and step down now and let Jed Hoyer be the guy to, to make the decisions that are going to be basically – how the Cubs move for the next five years as far as what are you going to do with the core players um, and who are you going to trade? And he, he gave him David Ross, uh, and which looks definitely like it's a, a good pickup. His manager is better than, than my manager that I got is drinking and driving. And with, say, man, I'm a, I'm a made man. You see this ring right here? Harold Baines! Harold Baines! I'm a made person. You trying to embarrass me. You know you know who Jerry Ryan stuff is. But anyway. You see this ring? <laughs> so uh, Theo stepped down um, And he's going to let Jed decide the future of the Cubs Since Jed was going to be here anyway He's going to let him be the head decision maker Which I think, I'll tell you why I think is admirable Because if Theo didn't Let's just say they, they did whatever Because the, the stuff that's coming out is the Cubs about to make some moves uh, Whatever took place, if it was really good Would have always been given to Theo So let's just say the Cubs are in the World Series again in four years, right? People wouldn't say that that's Jed's team out there. They'd be like, "That was the those are the guys that Theo had traded for before he left," right? Mm-hmm. This now gives the legend Jed fully step from under the shadow. Yes, I mean we would think he had some input into the David Ross hire, but still, you know what people say about managers, and he got a good manager. Uh, but if, as far as when it comes to what you're going to do with those core players. I know if I was Jed, I would want to be able to decide it because I would hate for Theo to make a mistake. Um, and especially if he if he had if he chose the mistake and it wasn't mine, but I would have to live for it as the new president moving forward. But you're the Cubs fan here, so what what were your thoughts? Yeah, it was uh, you know, bittersweet because obviously losing Theo, I mean, the guy brought us a championship. Can't uh can't ever say anything negative about Theo. It just it sucks that it kind of spoiled out in the end. Where, and we talked about this. We talked about this, you know, all the time. And I was going to bring it up earlier. You know, the Cubs fans were happy we got the World Series. Were a little bitter that it didn't play out as smoothly as it did that first World Series, and that we just never got back really. And even though they got to another NLCS, it, it was always clear that it's the Dodgers' time. Like they're they're the team to beat every year in the NL right now. So it, it's it's definitely feeling like a, a proper time to have a fresh start and have a separation because the Cubs, you know, they probably headed for a rebuild unless they can figure out some trades that make them stay afloat in the the short term and. You know, maybe through some drafts. I know uh, we got the kid from Chicago at shortstop. 
you know, maybe some of these young, young, young guys start stepping up because right now that the triple A and double A level, there's just not a lot of guys that can come in and, and be big time players for you at the major league level. Uh, and with Jed too, we'll see what he can do. You know, he's learned under Theo a lot. I, I think that the Cubs are in a good spot in terms of being structurally organized moving forward. So it's at least a positive where we just talked about with the bears, even if they were looking for a new GM, how are they going to do it? Because they don't know what they're doing. So that same irritating process is probably going to play out the same way every time with the Cubs. It kind of feels like maybe there's some stability now. And with Jed, who's he going to bring in to kind of fill in his spot as general manager uh, maybe are there some guys that are up and coming with this staff? Because I think like the Cubs kind of need some new ideas and some new approaches because they uh, they have a bunch of guys that can hit, you know, home runs, but they're not really hitting home runs and they're just striking out a lot. And your pitching is aging out really quick without a lot of replacements. So it's a tough job. And I don't envy what Jed's going to have to do. And I just wonder how he's going to approach it maybe differently than Theo. And to your point, Probably a good thing overall, an admirable thing from Theo to step down and let uh, Jed do it how he wants to do it. Because you're right, like you are at that crossroad where whoever makes the next decisions, like you're you're on the line. If Theo made the decisions to trade a bunch of people, you know, Jed might be on the line because he's the only one there. But everyone's going to look back at those as being Theo moves now. It's like you said, these are Jed moves. What does Jed think is the best way to get the Cubs back to competing? And that's going to be the other weird thing, too. They won the NL Central last year. Like, you're supposed to be a division winner. How much can you really change? How much do you want to subtract? And being a realistic Cubs fan, you know a decent amount of change has to happen for them to really start getting back to World Series contenders in the NL, at least. Look, let me ask you this. Now, he may want to go out and, and make a name for himself. Uh, but what about with Jason McLeod? I know he was a finalist for the Angels job. What about him just making him the general manager uh, since he already has such a good relationship with uh, Hoyer? Yeah, I mean, Jason McLeod's been talked about as a very hot GM candidate in years past, especially a few years ago, right around 15, 16. Uh, I think that would be great. You know, it, it maybe that's more of Theo's guy than Jed's guy, and he wants to go somewhere else. But certainly I heard the favorite for the Angels job is not at all Jason McLeod. You know, why not keep Jason here and continue that stability? And I'm sure with how well they work together, you would think that synergy might be more efficient and hasten some things up. But we'll see what happens. I, I like Jason McLeod, though. It just... Uh, Right now, the Cubs have a little bit of a player development issue, and that's so that's not always new eyes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, new eyes to that pipeline uh, because you thought that those guys were going to keep turning out prospects. Of course, they weren't going to be drafting high, but still, we're going to be able to find guys and nurture those guys into filling in right. some of these roles and being cheap talent, so that they can still go out and spend some money in free agency, uh, especially or make trades. Uh, during the season to bring in top talent to continue the right. championship run. So yeah, and be, I wanna, be the Cardinals basically. That's that's the right, standard you're trying right, to be right. with money with real money. Yeah, uh, I want to thank Theo. Uh, he broke two curses so far. He says he does not right now, but he does look at himself doing this a third time as far as running the organization. 
uh, but he's not going to do it next year. Uh, he helped he helped the White Sox um, because he did it here, and we the, the team at the I, I thought when he was doing it, I was like the Sox need to rip this down right now. They should be doing a rebuild as the Cubs doing it. Uh, you don't want to sit there and be what become what happened where you let them rise, even though they were already prominent, but prominent as winners. Right. And you were sucking when you could have both been bad together. Right. Like that's that to me made more sense financially. Uh, but maybe they were looking at this. They can, can convince the people to come to their side of town, which they didn't. Um, but, yeah, I still want to thank Theo because um, he, he's terrific at his job. Uh, there were some failings. They were some mistakes, um, but you know what? Most people make mistakes that are put in those type of positions. Everything you're not going to hit on, uh, but for someone who is, is so young, he's just 46, and to have ended Boston's uh, championship drought and then came and did the same thing to Chicago, man, you are a master at your job, and I wish you nothing but the best move forward, dude. Do your damn thing. Yeah. How about – here's two meatball comments before we have – how about Theo going to the Bears and then uh, the Cubs go ahead and get Rick Hahn and bring him over? <laughs> you better. Listen, you know what? I wouldn't – listen, I'll tell you what. I would be happy for Rick Hahn. Oh, right? baby. I'd be happy for because I'd be like, Jerry did that to you. You know what I'm saying? Like, you you do do it in a – listen, I wouldn't be – I wouldn't feel like he's doing it in my face as a, a Sox fan. I'd be like, he's doing that to Jerry because Jerry was disrespectful. Oh, yeah. Jerry disrespected that man by not letting him find the partner that he wanted for what he did with his team as far as, well, the, the team that you let him uh, uh, decide the players on because that's not Rick Hahn's team because clearly Jerry decided to let his buddy uh, become the next manager. Uh, but I wouldn't even be mad at Rick Hahn, man. Listen, screw Jerry for what he did to Rick Hahn. It was not right. Uh, he did it to Kenny, too. Because I don't think Kenny was like, yeah, bring it to La Rosa. You know what I'm saying? Like, screw, screw Jerry. I wouldn't listen. I'll tell you this is another point you made. Theo figure out to do something with you know what Theo would do? Hire really good football people. Probably. Right? Probably. That's what Theo would do. Hire really, 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 right. really good. He'd be like, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm gonna hire some people that know. Right. Like that's what Theo would would, would basically do. Uh, I wouldn't even look at it as being crazy, but we've seen it. We've seen baseball. Cleveland just had a baseball per, uh, person running the organization um a couple years back. So we we definitely seen it before. Uh but yes, again, shout out to Theo um during the admirable thing. And also shout out to the Rickets too. And I mean I know I shouldn't. But um yeah, they just they fueling what's going yeah. on in this country right now. But you know, I, as as ownership, I think it's smart to because everyone knew that Theo was out after next year, and to come to some consensus that what all right, all through all of us come together, what's best moving forward? You're gonna move on. Um, do you think he can handle this? Of course, you, we know you think, but let's 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 be candid. What do you think is the best thing, both of you, as far as moving on? You know what I'm saying? And that's how organizations should be run. You know what I'm saying? Instead of just just going through the motions when you know somebody's going to leave. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like whatever can set us up best moving forward, let's do that instead of just playing footsie in this bitch. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No, you got to be proactive. Not yeah, you got to be proactive. As Branch Rickey once said, it's better to be a year early than a year late. And also, oh, yeah. who, who's that color boy over there running so fast? <laughs> Damn, that boy's running quick. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. All right. Still sticking with our city sports. Uh, tonight, uh, when we drop this, this is Tuesday, but we're dropping this on Wednesday. The NBA draft will commence. 
The, the only Bulls. bright spot in Chicago right now. No, listen, that, bear, that, bear, that bear spot is getting bright, baby. That bear spot. Listen, when you listen, it's nothing better to see national people blast the bears. I know. It's, it's That's nothing. what gets the gears going up there. It's like, oh my goodness, no, it's gotten out of the city. <laughs> it's not in Chicago. We're the bears, damn it. We should be contenders. Uh, but um, the Bulls have the fourth pick. They're under new management. You have Arturis Karniasovas as the vice president of basketball operations and Mark Eversley as the general manager. This will be their first pick. Uh, there's definitely been rumors that perhaps uh, listen to uh, the basketball podcast on NBC Sports Chicago uh, hosted by uh, one Jason Goff. Uh, there was there, I was listening to a couple episodes uh, with him and Casey Johnson. And basically one, and that, one was with Will Perdue. One wasn't. One was with uh, Mad Dog. Little Tony was popping the shots. Our boy Tony definitely gonna get him in on this show within a week or so. But um, they were talking about the just how this team is set up and and basically does uh, Zach Levine fit with uh, Arturis Karnasovas and Mark Eversley Eversley and what they like necessarily, and it kind of doesn't look like that. Uh, then Tony hit us today and basically said Patrick Williams from Florida State. I did a deep Patrick Williams dive today, very deep, very very deep. Um, you know what? I kind of like him, but he's not a go-getter offensively. But he's skilled enough. Like, the kid can shoot, all right? I mean, he was the sixth man of the year for the ACC, so he only played 22 minutes a game. He averaged nine points and four rebounds, but that's with only getting 22 minutes a game. He's a freshman. Um, The offense wasn't built around him. He can leap out the gym. His physical build is nice. He's very quick twitchy. His form looks good. He, he, I would say the comp, best case scenario, he would end up being uh, slightly more because I think at this point in his career he may. But see, the problem is you never know with Kentucky because they never show us what these kids can really do. Nobody knew that Cat um, uh, uh, Carl Anthony Towns was going was gonna to be that cold from the three. You know what I'm saying? Because or even with um, and I did notice a little bit of Anthony Davis. I was like, that boy can shoot. They don't, he just doesn't shoot in college. Sorry, I need to drink a little water. Drink it. Drink that water in. But his cup basically is Bam Adebayo. That's mm. what his kid's cup is. It's Bam Adebayo. That's like if everything is works Is he the out, same size as he's Bam? He's 6'8", and his wingspan is 7 feet. Okay. He's, Bam's probably like 6'10", right? No, Bam's not 6'10". No? Not 6'10"? No, because no. if, if you think about it, think about Bam uh, uh, being up uh, – Anthony Davis, and it, it, it show you can see you can you saw the height difference right there. Like Bam is definitely can, is power for size, but he's just long as hell. But Bam isn't like a six ten, six eleven. Okay, you know what I'm saying? they may listen at max. Maybe they listen at six nine, but he's definitely not six ten. Um, well, definitely so, that small forward area you could do yeah, better. He's a he combo a lot better there. He's a combo forward. Uh, they so they look at him basically. He should be able to switch off on both both forwards. Um, Again, I don't know if it's going to be the pick. Do you pick, like it if that was the pick? I wouldn't be upset. You know what I'm saying? Because, I see, do you know what the thing is? And it goes back to Matt Nagy. It would depend on how they grow this kid. Now, if okay. they grow him into what they think, I'd be straight with it. You know what I'm saying? But if they can't, you know, I wouldn't. Of course I wouldn't be fine. But I, I, after, after diving into it, I wasn't upset. Because... Which like I thought about Denny. Ad, ad, would ad, say his last name. Unfortunately, Ad Advia. Advia, Advia, Denny Advia. Uh, the, the the kid from the Israeli. Kid. I don't know if he's actually Israeli or not. Uh, yes, but I, I believe so. Okay, 
So, but, but, but you know, the, the best international player out there right now. Uh, listen, watch some of his tape. I'm really, I was really more impressed with his feel for the game in Advia. But watching Patrick Williams, and it's kind of what, like, this kind of makes me like, make me like Arturis kind of service a little bit more. We know that he has a connection with international players. But to me, if he, cho- if he chooses Patrick Williams over Advia, he's showing that because they kind of have a similar skill set They're You know, even though definitely out, definitely uh, both were playmakers. All right. But Advia is m- much more of a guy that you would look at as kind of being a forward that you kind of would let run the floor of the team a little bit. It, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? But um, I would think he, he would be looking at the higher ceiling guy instead of the floor guy. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that's because I think Avia has a higher floor than um, when you than, than Patrick Williams. You know what I'm saying? Because outside of me, Patrick Williams is probably a better shooter uh, right now. Yeah, um, I heard Danny also, is not that good of a shooter. Also, this is another thing about Patrick Williams. Patrick Williams, I believe, shot 82% in college from the free throw line. If you don't know, your free throw shooting says a lot about how you're going to shoot in the pros, Right. Uh, so this kid is is lights out because Avia only sh- shot 52, I believe, 52% from the free throw line, right? Which that's yeah, crazy. You can't be a, a skilled playmaker and not make your free throws. Right, because we're going to put your ass on the line, right? Um, so uh, looking at that, I, I wasn't upset. Um, part of me wants them to jump up. Listen, I, I guess out of the top three, the guy that I wouldn't want and I used to want him, uh, this was at the beginning of the year, before NCAA sent his ass home, uh, James Wiseman, I wouldn't mind LaMelo or Anthony Edwards. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I'm just being honest with you. Uh, I had I had Anthony Edwards was my favorite initially. Um, and I've been on LaMelo, I mean, in general, since I was early on when like, wait, this kid just drew the six, seven uh, last year, the year before. I think like me and you, maybe in these basements or something, I was like, no, nah, dude, shut six, seven now. It's that's not the same young man, you know what I'm saying, from back in uh, black big box baller days or whatever the damn uh, uh company name uh, about his father. But uh, yeah, I'm not, I wouldn't be upset uh, if Patrick Williams is the guy. It was a nice article that Casey Johnson put out there. Uh, talking about it. I, w- I wouldn't be upset, Ryan, because I could see the tools and it would tell me about what this organization is trying to do moving forward. Because it, it seems like a heady pick, but also I wonder if they're sending up smoke screens because what the Bulls are really one of the teams where people don't know what they're going to do. Like, for the most part, until this Patrick Williams thing came out, no one, people said Denny Avia because of where he landed and also the fact that Artyrus Karnasovas has a connection with international players. Uh, but uh, no one had a clear cut sight of what the Bulls were necessarily doing, uh, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't be. It wouldn't upset me uh, if they went and got Patrick Williams. Do you, um, what's your uh, kind of ultimate situation? If you're the Bulls, you're in that draft room making the call. What do you want for the Bulls? You know what? You know what I would want to be honest with you. I don't know if Billy Donovan would want this. Um, if you would not see, I can't even say that. Because this this draft isn't talented enough, or this draft's ceiling isn't high enough to jump back into it, I don't believe. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't see the talent to where it's like, man, I want two of these mothers. You know what I'm saying? Well, what if you could, uh, let's say, jump back in around 11, 12, and like a Tyrese Halliburton there, and Killian Hayes might still be there? Is um, that kind of enough to get you want to come back in a little? 
I'm a Killian Hayes guy, as you you know, with the interview with Matt Peck. Make sure you check out the interview with Matt Peck uh, from Chicago Bulls out from Bulls Outsider. I don't know. I keep putting Chicago Bulls in front of Bulls Outsider and Locked On Bulls podcast with uh, Jordan Malley. Um, I don't like. I'm a, I'm a Killian guy, uh, so I wouldn't be upset. But what would you give up? Because I couldn't. I can't give up Zach Levine just for a pick in this draft. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like if I heard this float in. Mm-hmm. What if you could get, and maybe even Matt Matt said this in our interview. Let's say you did go to like the uh, the Rockets or the Warriors, you know, where they want some of these picks. And I don't know if there's somebody around eleven, maybe the Spurs or something, if they wanted to add a Zach Levine because they're trying to win now. What if you got just a young player that you knew what you were getting? He was an NBA player, possible starter. And you get that pick. Um, it depend on who that. It depend on who that player was, because I would want that player to be. Uh, he has to look like he's going to turn into something kind of special. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't think this draft has top tier talent. Now, I don't get paid to scout these kids. Uh, you know, I don't well, have a professional eye. So there, some people may think there's a Giannis. You know what I'm saying? Right. In this draft, you know, saying so a guy that you can get down there, and you know, after a couple of years, the, the situation can turn into where he's an MVP. Uh, I haven't necessarily seen it, but that's also kind of reason why I don't mind the Patrick Williams thing because, like, the kid is too the kid. Kid's thighs are kind of thick. Like watching him, I'm like, wait, see how big is he gonna get, right? Um, but I mean, he's quick, twitchy man. Like the kid doesn't he don't look bad. I watched a decent amount of tape on him today as much as I possibly could while I was working. Um, but, but like I said, I did a little bit of a deep dive and the deep dive made me feel uh, better about necessarily picking them up. I just don't know, Ryan. See, I'll say this, best case scenario. I wouldn't mind a team like Golden State, right? Golden State clearly has to have, what, a number one pick from the, the, from, uh, the Wolves moving forward outside of uh, the, the, any pick they got. They had to have it because that Wolves pick is their pick, I believe. And Golden State, look how bad they were. That's that's their pick this year, right? I, I believe that's so. But I, they, I know yeah, when they made like that, that deal for Wiggins, like you're not going to take on, you're not going to trade D'Angelo Russell and take on Wiggins' contract without being given something, I would think, in draft capital. So I, what I'm trying to get to, teams that have a lot of draft capital, um, I would be willing to take on. For, I'll take Wiggins' contract here, Right. Just so if you're going to give me like like top ranked uh, uh, picks from the Wolves, because the Wolves aren't going to be good. Like, look, even if this pick hits, that's the West. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're still not going to be in the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? Chances are, are legitimate they're not going to be in the playoffs. You know, it's like we could damn near run through everybody. All right, the Lakers, the Clippers, right? Um, uh, 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 Denver, uh, Portland, Utah. Right. Got to count the Rockets for now. For now. Well, let's leave them out. Let's leave them out. The Suns, right? <laughs> now, who, who are we missing? Oh, let's, not, let's not forget how talented uh, the yeah. Pelicans are. You know, and Sacramento also, was just outside. You know who I didn't mention? Memphis. Yeah. Right? So you 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 have to now make listen, they can fight for that eighth slide. Like you, like you said, well, let's still put Houston in there. If James Harden is on that team during this season. They're going to be in the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? He's going to – dude, James Harden's going to average about 37-odd points. They're going to be in the playoffs. So, dude, if I can get my hands on 
some more capital because next year's draft is supposed to be damn good. Because mm-hmm. I'm not, listen, I'm not looking at, I know Bulls fans are like, man, I'm ready to start winning. You know what? Unfortunately, you had people put this franchise in bad situations. And I'm not, I don't want our tourist current service and Mark Eversley to look at this as a win now situation when they need to be building a foundation. Now they got a win now coach. And I hope he knows, listen, dude, it may take us about two years before we really get to this cranking, cranking, but I would rather do that. And I want more draft capital into next year's draft. That's what I want. You know what I'm Cause again, part of the reason we brought these guys here was for their eye. And I want to, I want to use their eyes to bring yes. in quality talent, not, not guys that are that, that have three dimensions, but guys that maybe have three that can turn into five, or a guy that has four that can turn into five. Like I, I want, I want guys that can be like, man, you know what? We we can use this player, or we know how to get uh, the full the full potential out of this player. That's that's what I'm looking for. So I don't need them to just say this is the last time we're gonna be in the lottery. You know, like I I, I don't. And now watching this, if the Bulls have a great season, am I gonna be upset? No, I'm not gonna be upset. You know what I'm saying? But still, let's build the foundation up. Yeah. You know, like, like that. Go ahead. When when people say ready to win now, you ain't ready to win. You are not ready to win now unless you've got that dude. Like right. you right. can win some and be in the crappy East and get eliminated. You feel much better about that? Does everyone forget when the Bulls, before Derrick Rose hit that level and Tom Thibodeau came in, when they were just constantly being bounced by the Cavaliers in the first round? Like, that's what you want? I get it. It's better than this. It's better than this, but you ain't winning until you get that due. To your point, and let's go back to that, right? Guess what? John Paxson's about to get fired. Right. And think about it. All that talk of man, he brought the Bulls back by bringing these high ceiling guys and Heinrich Dang and Ben Gordon that we had we had we had gotten full off of that and didn't want any more of that that course. You know what I'm saying? We, we didn't want any more of it. We wanted more. And it was to the point where the talk was, dog, if he didn't land Derrick Rose, that oh. ass was that ass was on the line. So to, to your point, do you remember that? And is that what you want? Because I don't want to be uh, middling. I want to be sensational, especially with basketball. And you know, oh, like it's yeah. nothing better than having one of the top five players in basketball on your team and rewinding those crazy ass highlights. Did he just do? It's nothing better. It's it's that's imagine like, oh my god, this is this is what basketball is really like. And this is for people, or particularly me. I grew up with Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen on my team. All right, like, dude, it was. On WGN, I felt like I was stealing by watching Michael Jordan. I'm like, I, I get this for free, right? Like, that's how I felt. I want to get back to that. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. you, you, as Ryan said, if you don't have that dude, you're not doing very much in the NBA, all right? Because even if you look at a team like the with the 05 Pistons, that team still had top five players at every position, basically. Right. So, like, that's it's not the same. Because that's what Paxton thought he was doing with, with Dang, Heinrich, and Gordon. It's no, all right? But Rip Hamilton was a top five shooting guard. Chauncey Billups, listen, he may have been the only one that was fringy. That may have been maybe sixth or seventh in point guard play, but I can say he was a top five point, but he might have been fringy. Listen, Tayshaun Prince, defensively and offensively, was a top five uh, small forward at that time. That was one right? of the best two-way players in the right. NBA. Right, And the way Kentucky, you never knew he was going to be that type of defender when he got to the league. Rasheed Wallace was a freak of nature. Oh, all right, all right. So he, 
Listen, at, at worst, and this is when the league was full of power forwards. He was the fourth best power forward at least. Yes. But like, if he was the fourth, he at this point he was better than Dirk. All right, this wasn't Dirk that beat the Heat. You know what I'm saying? He was better mm-hmm. than Dirk. You had KG. You had Tim Duncan, who's the center. You know what I'm saying? You had Chris Webber, who had, he may have been hurt. Chris I think Webber he has hurt. a micro fracture. Chris was hurt now because he had just come back. Uh, and and play Carmelo well in that fight in that that, that playoffs uh, the first round with Sacramento against uh, the Lakers. So Weber wasn't even the same guy. Just showing you the just the type of talent that you had a power for. And Rasheed Wallace was clearly a top five center there at, back in those days, just because of how, how outrageous his off ball defense was. But I mean, just showing you like they they look, Joe Dumars except on the blowing up the Carmelo pick, uh, but Joe Dumars, Ooh. you know, what I'm saying put together a, a, a nice batch of talent. You know what I'm saying? And you, all those guys were a shade under an all star. I mean, right. well, no, they, they, they were all stars. Don't, dude, all those Some guys were all stars. No, uh, the only one that may not have been all star, I don't know if Tayshawn Prince was, but I feel like it was a chance he was. No, no, all those guys, maybe not Chauncey. I could be wrong. That's who I'm right. Yeah. I could be wrong. Too. But also remember this they probably had got voted in after Detroit won the, the championship, too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, guys, like, to your point, you know, maybe Chauncey's four in the East and the top three guys are like mega superstars. But when that mega superstar has one of the bottom five shooting guards next to him, one of the bottom five small forwards, it's like, that's what makes that team so impressive. If you got top five guys everywhere, it's like going to the Y and just seeing those like <laughs> practical professional dudes just running each game. Right, right, right. So like, again, uh, I, I want to see what this new front office with clean eyes who are actually professionals. Now they, they didn't have these jobs before, but they're actually been professionals and organizations that have nothing to do with the bulls or having a connection with the bulls, which has always been a prerequisite for a Jerry Reinstorf hire damn near. Uh, so I, I want to see that. So I'm not, I don't need this to be a, a flash done in a flash. Uh, I, like I said, I want to get back in the next year's draft. Um, so, you know, I will be interested in seeing, uh, somebody, uh, you know, making some type of move. I'm not the biggest window guy as Matt and Tony are, uh, Tony Gill, because um, I think, one, he may be injury prone, and two, I haven't seen the defense that he showed in his rookie season to a certain degree. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm, I don't look at Wendell Carter as being untouchable. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't. Like, he's, he's just not that off-the-charts freaky. You know, like, if he was... Listen, Wendell Carter could be the same dude if he was literally like leaping out the gym, I'd be like, keep Ooh, that one. Yeah. Right? I'd be like, keep Tyrus Thomas into him? Yeah, like, yeah, if he was just freakish, right? Like, whoa, this kid is crazy. Yeah, I'd be like, keep keep him. Definitely keep him. You know what I'm saying? But I don't I don't see it. Uh, look at Laurie have, having more talent than uh, Wendell, but Wendell definitely having way more fire. You know, Laurie, his, his engine runs low. It, it burns slight. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't well, be upset. Go ahead. That's why for me, like what we talked about with Matt yesterday, uh, I loved how he pointed out point guard. Like I would, it would be great, even though I'm not the biggest Lamelo guy. But if he fell to them somehow, man, I would love that pick. Like yeah. just to get a playmaking dude that is legit with his vision and his passing. Like maybe that's the kind of stuff that wakes Laurie marketing up and some that's of these good. other guys. And then all of a sudden you've got a decent little bed of players 
And you might still have a lottery pick next year. We'll see. I mean, maybe they can contend for a spot because the East is weak. But we thought that they might contend this year. It wasn't even close to contending. So you might be right back in the lottery, but with a, a ri- like almost like the Pelicans when they're in the lottery where you're thinking, man, they got a decent little group here, and now you're getting this piece. And like you said, next year they're talking mega draft, right. mega prospect draft. So if you're in the lottery for that and you get some really nice pieces and get your kind of foundation set for this next superstar draft pick to come in, you know, maybe you at worst are the Clippers ready for Kawhi and Paul George. Dude, real quick, before we switch up for grabs, I can remember playing in my friend's backyard. Uh, we play basketball almost every day, particularly in the, in the summertime. And for some reason, he's, he's taking a shot. He was like the point guard for us. He's taking shots and he's screaming out, Shaquille O'Neal, right? Mind you, I hadn't seen Shaq at LSU. But I went back and asked him, I was like, wait, all Shaquille O'Neal do is dumb. Why the hell are you screaming Shaquille O'Neal, right? But the thing is, Shaq coming into the NBA was like, oh my goodness, right? Like, oh my Lord, right? So Orlando, this fledging franchise, uh, gets Shaq. Um, they get him. They had... A uh, final line that Nick Anderson was already on the team. They had uh, Scott Skiles as their point guard, a tough honorary SOB. Um, and they, they have Shaq. And Shaq plays well enough to, I believe, I believe they were 39 and 43. I, they, they were a game out of the playoffs, right, in his rookie season. They were one game, I believe, for making the playoffs, right? F around. And Pat Williams as uh, the Lucky Charm, who used to be a part of the ownership, I believe. I don't know if he was the vice president. He might have been vice president of the Magic back then. They hit on the damn lottery again and get the number one pick a year after getting Shaq at number one. All right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. And that, listen, that 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 was Shaq, Alonzo Mourning, Sean Bradley, Christian Leitner, just to tell you some, some names. So if you would have got second and you end up getting Zoe, you were straight. Just to let you know the talent. They sit there, hit number one the year that Chris Webber is coming out as a sophomore, all right? Shaq talks them into flip. Nah, don't do that. Trade down and get Penny, right? But basically, they had the number one pick, right? They trade. They flip-flop with Golden State, and they end up with Penny and Shaq. And they didn't suck Shaq's first year, really. So that's even to a certain degree, that's kind of even what we're saying. If you can sit there and get a good, a good foundation pick this year, Show us some 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 highlights and direction that you're moving to, and then get that that piece. And now it's like, all right, lottery time is over. You know what I'm saying? Now it's time to let's look for some guys to fill around these guys that we got. You know what I'm saying? Like then let's start talking. So best case scenario, that would be the best thing to play out with the Bulls moving forward in the future for me. Yeah, I, I would love to see it. Like again, if the worst thing that they can do is get a legit number two and three on a championship team and you're just missing the one, I'll take that. Because you can't, I believe the Bulls can sign a free agent. I do believe it, even though there's no history and it has never happened ever. But I think that they can do it. It just, you've got to build that bed where people want to come here. Well, someone looks at it and be like, you know, if they had me, man, we'd be winning titles. Yeah. You don't like, like, that's simple. 
Like right, right. Yasmani Grandal to the White Sox. Like it was like no brainer. This team is about to go somewhere. This is where I want to be geographically based on where I've been living. Let's do it. Like mm-hmm. Giannis, calling Giannis next year. Yeah, but listen, I don't think they make those moves uh, that they made uh, yesterday, uh, that the, the Milwaukee made for uh, Holiday and Brogdanovich. I don't think they made those without uh, know how to Giannis is staying and he's about to sign that mega stitch. Giannis, remember, Giannis was digging in trash cans pouring grease, right? And you have to say, man, listen, the league is going to go through some, some financial problems because, uh, you know, we may not be able to have any fans in here. And you got what uh, 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 the, the owner of the Golden State Warriors talking about spending $30 million to have rapid tests so they can have at least half capacity of that brand new stadium. Think about it. They got a brand new stadium that they pay for themselves and they can't use, right? Like, it's like, dude, I'm trying to get back to getting in the black. You know what I'm saying? We're in the red, red. We trying to get back. Like at least Jerry, listen, at least Jerry Jones has some, a few years of using the Jerry dome to get, try to get back into the black. You know what I'm saying? But you got this, mm-hmm. this, this, this building, like maybe $5 billion, but billion dollar stadium they built. And they didn't use any public funds. And this time, listen, I want to make some money. So when you when you when you when you're looking at that and Giannis to, to the point, I don't know if Giannis is gonna be like, man, I'm about to play around and try to try to uh, see if I win a championship. Like, hey, you know, uh, we can get you 200 of them bad boys right effing now. So again, and the Milwaukee looks like they may be good. I mean, they they've, they've been good, but I mean, what have we always said about? Um, um, What's the, uh, the, 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 the number two? What's the, what's the small forward from Milwaukee? I'm really blanking out today. Uh, oh, Chris Middleton. Thank you, Chris Middleton. We've always been like, dude, that's a three. Like, Chris Middleton is not – and I, I don't know if Drew Holiday is truly a number two, two, even though, I mean, look at his numbers. Shorty averaged 19 and like six this past Apparently, year. Apparently, if you ask all these NBA players on the record who's like the best – not named like who's the best player that nobody talks about. Everybody mm-hmm. supposedly says Drew Holiday. Yeah, Drew Holiday gave you that business. Um, remember him giving it to the Bulls when he was in Philadelphia. But um, yeah, you, you got you have a dog. My sister's dog. Okay. Um, she totally threw me off. <laughs> still, when you when you look at that now. And because it looked like they weren't going to be able to do be able to do anything, especially uh, letting uh, uh, Malcolm Brogdon go. Uh, but now it's like, OK, y'all got y'all got a few things. Also, see, that the, another thing they have now, they have pieces to move. See, the, when you're in a, a, a city or state where it, 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 unfortunately we're in the same situation, but it's not a destination where players want to play. you got to have assets to trade. Now you have two more assets with three because Milton. So now you can, now you got assets to try to move around if this doesn't work. Like Giannis, I know it doesn't work. We're gonna get so and so and so and so because this, this team wants these two assets from us. You know what I'm saying? So uh, you never know. You know what I'm saying? You you never know. I would love if Giannis would come here. I feel like it's the same like LeBron. Like it would have been crazy if LeBron uh, left Cleveland and came to Chicago. You know why it would have been crazy, too? Because that would have made basketball the mecca in Chicago. True. But the point that I'm trying to make is we know how these Midwestern cities envy Chicago or have disdain for Chicago because we the shit. better. Right. And if they if you left Cleveland and came here, Cleveland fans would have been it would have been much worse than going to Miami. Right. And now if, if Giannis leaves Milwaukee 
and goes to Chicago. Oh, please. I need this. I need this in my life. Milwaukee would just shut down. <laughs> I'd be partying in Milwaukee. I'd just have my junk out colored in bulls gear. <laughs> wriggling on down. Your city sucks. <laughs> you know, so I think that it makes it even harder. But yeah, I would love uh, definitely for Giannis to be here. But you know what time it is, though. Is it that time? It's that time. Time for Up for Grabs with Ryan Bukovsky. Ryan, what do you have for us? Well, let's stick with the NBA because it is hot right now. When you talk about NBA draft, all these trades flying. There's rumors on top of it. Is James Harden going to go to the Nets? Blah, blah, blah. So I got to know from who I know is a huge NBA fan yourself. What's uh what's intriguing you the most right now of all the news of the NBA or what's what's tickled you the most, whether it's draft trades, rumors, whatever? Uh, I'm not tickled because I listen, I go back to Kevin Durant being like uh, the year that uh, LeBron, D. Wade and Chris Bosch come came together was the year that Kevin Durant signed his his uh his extension after his rookie deal, that, that extension that you have to sign where basically you locked in for like seven years with your, uh, the team that drafted you. And I remember him being like, man, this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to keep it low key. I'm going to be just like this. Mind you, he was a shorty. I remember thinking back then, dude, you don't know how you're going to be in a few years, right? And to see like, all right, you already went, you basically were on a super team that Sam Presti put together. Um, you Then you went to a team that you should have beaten that was a championship team and won 73 wins. You joined it. Then you complained that it didn't feel right. When we all told you it wasn't going to feel right because right. it wasn't organic. And you, but again, it's your life. You have to find out. But now to be like, man, I got Kyrie something. And then I'm going to throw James Harden on top of it. It's like, come on, fam. You know, it's like, first of all, let's spread some of this talent out. Right, like we got to, you know how like in uh in, in, in over in overseas how they only allow you a certain amount of Americans on your team, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we need to do that with like stars in Super the NBA, stars. right? Yeah, like you can only have it, go off like all star games. Like if you have me, right. how many all stars? You can't. No, you guys can't play together because he got Thor. You see you LeBron got like bricking it the last right. game of the year just to get under <laughs> star status. <laughs> You're right, that probably would happen. But don't vote for me. I, I, I got a zero percent shooting percentage <laughs> in the fourth. There's no way I could be a star. So look, I'm all for. I was all for. You know, I told you. I told you this. I would love to see Harden in Miami because I think if, uh, if yeah, he I don't like accept, if he would accept that culture, man, they'd they, they'd be dangerous having a score like that because that's what they need. They need someone who can get a bucket at any effing time. And just create. No, you're completely right. That's a terrific fit. I'd hate to see it, and I hope I don't see it at all. Why, why would you hate to see it? I got, I got no want to see Miami in the finals or winning a finals anytime soon. What's because of Jimmy Butler or because of what? Pat Riley? Yeah, I think it's I think it's the all the Pat Riley, the the stuff with the Bulls and the Heat all those times. Mm-hmm. You got to remember one time I was just a young meatball Bulls fan and uh, D Wade and Shaq were doing some work against our, our boys back in the day. Hey, they also remember the Bulls knocked them out the playoffs. And D Wade definitely caused the Bulls getting any LeBron James or Chris Bosh and he loves Miami. So anything Dwayne Wade loves, I have to hate. Okay, I can, I can see that. I can feel that. I can feel that. 
Um, but yeah, and then I would have I would have liked to see him go to Philadelphia. But I wanted to see him go to a team that already wasn't ultra loaded, like the damn Nets. Like I mean, like they they got a little squad there. Like the fact that they had to give up those 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 uber role players. They got some sweet role players in Dinwiddie and Carlos Avert. You know what I'm saying? Like they they got they got a little squad over there. Um, but it's like, and then I don't even know how it will work out. But it's like just having all that talent in one place to me sometimes it's like the NBA. Y'all, you can do better than this. You know what I'm saying? Like oh, so. Yeah. That that kind of like it didn't it hasn't tickled my fancy to say uh, the least. The trades that um, Milwaukee made is cool, but they had to. Like we all knew uh, from what Giannis unfollowing them and then seeing the ownership talking to him in the following days and telling him we're gonna do whatever as far as going uh, over the cap to sit there and getting penalized to, to bring you a championship. Uh, so it, that that wasn't necessarily shocking. I'm you know what I'm gonna Drew be was pretty good though, right for them like compared to. Oh. Westbrook or Chris Paul or Westbrook would Westbrook is Giannis, but he's just six five. You know what I'm saying? Like that's basically who Giannis is. Is Westbrook? He's just a, a seven footer doing it, right? So it would have compounded the problem because he's like, what? So what? Now we're gonna do? Have Giannis go out to the arc while Westbrook is breaking down people getting into the paint? So that wouldn't have turned into hockey. They do the flying V running towards the basket. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Chris Paul, I, it, it was cool to me, but I think he's better with the Suns because the Suns had like they, they already got somebody who can go get it. Because actually the problem with if Chris Paul would have ended up in Milwaukee, you're going to be looking at him at times to be the guy to close the game out, which at this point in his career, I mean, Chris Paul over the last six to seven years is a much better shooter than he was when he was back uh, with the Hornets early in his career. You know what I'm saying? Specifically from the perimeter, because he was not a very good perimeter shooter. Um, but I don't know if I want Chris Paul at this age to consistently have to be my closer. Yes. And, and, then, and, and also, and this is my only problem with Chris Paul and, and the Suns, he didn't happen last year as much, but Chris Paul gets hurt a lot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, I would hate to be dependent on – like, imagine him going to Milwaukee and, like, they start off and they're, like, 30 and 5, 30, 30 wins and 5 losses. Then Chris Paul, Chris Paul's, and it's like, damn, here we, here we go again. Where you don't have that type of history, injury history necessarily when you're talking about Drew Holiday. So, I think Drew Holiday was the better fit out of those two guys, out of Westbrook and, and Chris Paul, because he's still young enough to do it offensively and defensively. And he's and, always there. Does he even get hurt? Right. No, I, don't, I don't think so. And, and also it helps that now you're looking at him as not being, uh, and I mean, he wasn't with Anthony Davis there, but I mean, Anthony Davis, I mean, he's much, he's more skilled than Giannis, but Anthony Davis is not Giannis. Giannis brings that bitch every night. You know what I'm saying? Like he's, he's bringing it. He like, he's a beast. You know what I'm saying? So you, you give him that guy, you know what I'm saying? And talented vets. I mean, you look at, they still have uh Brooke Lopez, uh, Brogdanovich, um, they still have Chris Middleton. Like they, they, that's not a bad little squad they got mm-hmm. right there. They got a squad that can win in the playoffs now because in the half court they can get to action. They don't have to worry about Giannis just coming downhill all the damn time. So that's what I like about what they did. Uh, but again, I think it was expected. I not not expected who would necessarily they were going to get. But you're, even though Brogdanovich uh, had been leaked to them, but uh, yeah, I, I, it, it was uh, it, w- it was straight for me. What about you? What has tickled your fancy, sir? I actually kind of like that Chris Paul to the Suns a I lot. Too. 
I, I think with him, the floor general, and especially he seems like what well, we saw last year in OKC that he really rubbed off well on Shea Gildress Alexander. Like, look what if he, look at Snyder. Hey, yes. Yeah, look at I mean, Schroeder. Look what he did for Schroeder. Right. Schroeder exactly. Yeah. And now he might do that with Devin Booker. If he can mm-hmm. kind of raise his game to be more mature of a superstar. I mean, that dude, he just seems like, you know, that light bulb away from getting it, you know? Right. And right. He, they've got all those pieces in the draft that just like with Aiton and I forgot the kid out of Kansas a few years ago. Uh, they have a bunch of these mismatched pieces. And I, who better to bring that together than you, uh, the best floor general maybe in the NBA and Chris Paul? Like, I, if he can stay healthy, because that's a great point, he does not stay healthy. But with such little responsibility on him, other than to be a distributor, you know, I think they can do some things with his minutes. And it, all the pressure is going to be on Devin Booker anyways to make sure that that team wins. I love it. I think that that might be the type of thing that maybe doesn't boost them into contendership, but that maybe they're that OKC team that surprises at a fifth seed and is a really tough fifth seed in the Western Conference Finals. I agree. The Western Conference picture. And I meant to say this. I I think that one was the one I liked the most because of everything that you said. Um, Also, I think Chris Paul is going to have his foot squarely on DeAndre Aiden's tuchus. Um, to get even more out of that young kid, and also don't and stop what they might be able to do in the pick and roll together. That's what I was about to say. Don't forget that Chris, what Chris Paul did for Tyson Chandler or young Tyson Chandler when they got together, and DeAndre Ayton is way more skilled than Tyson Chandler. That that lob game is about to be crucial. Hey, uh, DeAndre there. Jordan, Blake Griffin, those right. guys, you know, good players, but without Chris Paul, probably not looking at them as good as they are looked at now. Yeah, so definitely, I, I agree with you. Even though Blake did improve, like when Chris Paul got hurt, Blake showed you as far yeah. as being a facilitator what he could do, and he had more of an all-around game. But he's he's just not a player that you can count on to be that guy uh, for you. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he just he just he's probably a three, right? On a championship, he's probably, he's probably a three on a championship. I would say that he'd be a sweet three. Healthy Blake Griffin would be a sweet three if he knew his place too. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But he'd be a sweet three on a championship. So I, I totally agree with you on that. What you got next? My last up for grabs. Going to go to football. Saw this update before we came on the show, and I thought it was very intriguing. Uh, just because we talk about Pro Bowl with the NFL and nobody watches the pro bowl and nobody cares about the pro bowl. And it is one of the most boring things out there in terms of an all-star game of any professional sports league. I have always been a big thing. They should try to, you know, make it more like the NBA have like a, that skills contest be kind of the main focus and just try to figure out ways to do that. And you've got those robotic dummies now. Like, I think you can maybe add some technology and it would be kind of cool to see them do those things. But the idea this year with COVID, instead of having these players play and they have to worry about the COVID potential, they're going to do it virtually, i.e. through Madden 21. All the Pro Bowl selectees will be on their respective teams, and I believe, from what I saw, there'll be different positions because you can be you know, linemen, whatever. So I think EA is going to try to set it up so that all of these players can play at once virtually on the football field and i was wondering what your thoughts were with that if that's a cool idea for the pro bowl in general and just overall what you think that spectacle could be 
Okay, so uh, back in the days, and I don't know if you saw any of them, but it used to be so great when Randall Cunningham was in them. They used to have QB competitions, right? And Randall Cunningham was sling that rock 80 yards, if not more, like through the uprights damn near, right? It just was crazy, right? You'd be like, damn, right? Like, it used Mm -hmm. to have, like, names up in there. Uh, So, but I'm with you on the competition. It was funny, I was thinking while you were talking, uh, and this is my preference with going along with what you're saying. If they can set it up, for instance, like offensive line, like you're saying robots, we can see like how quick you coming out uh, uh, at the snap or and how hard you're hitting that dummy, right? Like, damn, you see how hard he hit that dummy? Right, like, and it, like that boxing thing where it measures the yeah, force, you yes, can just see yes. it's the thing. The if you can sit there, like, you know what I'm saying? Like if, if for every position, you know what I'm saying? Like uh, uh, the quarterback, how far, how quickly you can get out of your break, you know what I'm saying? Like, if we and, and we could get that, even though I guess if you, the more athletic guys that definitely benefit, but it'd be something for the guys that are technique guys that, that also, uh, I'll be for that. Uh, well, I feel this is unfair because what if I don't play video games like that? You know what I'm saying? Like, and well, that's my. They, they usually, for the Pro Bowl, do like a week of practice. And I'm wondering, do you get a week of practice with your Madden spot? Like, listen, if you think did those. You get the old line controls down in a week. Look, look, real quick. If you think that you had to send me to Hawaii for me to show up for this shit, right? And now I'm going to be at the crib and you think I'm going to spend a week practicing on some shit that I usually don't play? <laughs> you crazy. <laughs> well, they could still maybe send them to... Well, they wouldn't go to Hawaii because now they moved it to Miami or Florida right. or whatever. They're going to send them someplace where they can play video games in a hotel room separately. <laughs> like I'm saying, they're not giving me hey, a trip. You could do, like, what if it was like the NBA bubble and they're just sitting there with their controllers on PlayStation 5 <laughs> playing Madden? We might as well put some pads on these SOBs and get them out and play some. I also think it'd be fun because, like, you would have to do, I think, like, get a camera on every single person with the mic. Mm-hmm. And then, like, what if uh, Quentin Nelson, the the famed guard of the uh, the Colts, let's say he is just suddenly the AFC quarterback because he's the best quarterback in terms of playing the video game with Patrick Mahomes. I think that would be pretty entertaining. Then see like Mahomes play a different position on the video game. I think game. it's gonna be kind of I mean, for us who you know we grew up with video games. I mean, all these guys grew up with video games. Um, so there's aspects that I can find entertaining, uh, but it's not my preference. I, I guess yeah, we can't have Andre Whitworth in the uh, Pro Bowl. Him at like 40 is not going to be able to play any video games. Right. So that that's Tom that, Brady's like, what do I do here? You're sure? <laughs> you got any pong? I'm really going to pong. So yeah, that that for me. But it, that was interesting when you get to set that one. It was like, oh okay, like it's just gonna get to a point. We're just gonna have to kill the Pro, pro Bowl. This is well, that's what I'm saying. In terms of the Pro Bowl being totally trash, and we want to get rid of it. Is this anything that can maybe like at least make it interesting compared to what it's been now? I got what you could do now. We the pandemic will have to be going. Or I mean, I guess we're, we would have to have vaccines that we trust. Um, uh, you know, they'll have any type of long-term effects and uh, enough people have taken them to start building the herd immunity. You know what they used to do? My father used to tell me stories about, and it's like, damn, man, they didn't do that when we were growing up. They used to have, uh, like, the, the all-pro team face the college all-stars. Like, you know, like, we, you know, like we, we always sit there and talk about, uh, yeah, man, if this college team played this team, you know what I'm saying? 
And, yeah, uh, but then you're gonna throw in the draft. Everyone's be like, "You're gonna be hurt for the draft." That's what I was about to say. Now, because maybe people wouldn't do it because of the draft. But I would love to see, or like the college thing. No, no, I think the college championship scene. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say. I can't. I could be wrong. But my father, they used to have those type of exhibitions. Uh, that would be interesting to me. You know what I'm saying? Like that, something like that. I would kind of find interesting, but Should again, like you're the, saying, the old, old fashioned best college football team against the worst football team and exactly. the of NFL course, and see which and one wins. We'll finally get the experiment. Those college kids would get smacked. The, the trenches would be oh, the real God. tale of the tape. Um, but again, those New York again, Jets would never look better all year. He's <laughs> <laughs> still throwing interceptions like he at USC and in the pros, but. Um, Again, one thing I'll say this: because of the money, I wouldn't like I wouldn't want these kids to get hurt coming into the league for my entertainment sake like that. Even though they do it for free, I mean, that's what's tough in the Pro Bowl in general, right? Like we all would love a very competitive Pro Bowl in theory, but I think every football fan would rather none of those guys play and be a hundred percent healthy, especially after you went through car crash after car crash. For meaningful games, I don't need you to do something that's just a sideshow. Now, when you do it virtually, maybe that's a solution. Mm, I totally agree, but that was a good one right there. Ryan. Are they going to get the? They going to get the smoke going too? They they should make that mandatory. Everybody's got to smoke beforehand. <laughs> like everybody high that? on video games playing. I just read as hell. Man, I can't see. I can't see. <laughs> Oh man, but yeah, that's that was... stuck. That's your big <laughs> oh. toe, bro. <laughs> oh snap, Ryan. Oh snap. Is there anything else? No, I guess that's all. We talk Cubs, we talk Bulls, Bears, and Lindsey Graham. We're around around the show. Come here. Come come here. We're gonna give you a little bit of everything. Uh, Ryan, keep up the good work. Uh, we'll definitely be back with the flip. We took this past week off, and then Ryan was sick. Uh, Ryan, we all wish you uh, just healthy and speedy recovery. We hope we're happy. We're happy that it's not something uh, really serious. Uh, so that's definitely a blessing. Uh, so we'll be back with the flip. Uh, me, Ryan, and Sydney Brown, uh, and giving you more interviews about this upcoming draft, and also giving you our takes on what the Bears need to do. It's just going to sound like this show, but funnier because we'll come up with a different spin on what they need to necessarily uh, well, do. Moving we, forward. I think, are going to have to champion the firing of Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy and get the credit first. So mm. we'll be we'll be working on that for sure. I see you. I see you, wise one. I see you. So again, everybody out there, be safe. Uh, we always appreciate you spending a little bit of time with us, and we'll talk to you a little bit down the road. Everybody comfortable? Yeah. Get your ass up when I'm talking. Hey, take it easy. It's showtime. It's showtime. Yeah. Feel the magic and soul of the YBs. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Take two. That Davis show, we're lucky enough to be joined by Matt Peck, host of the Bulls Outsider on NBC Sports Chicago for the past two Bulls seasons, and also entering his fourth as co-host on the Locked On Bulls. You can find that where anywhere are locked on podcasts with Jordan Malley. Shout out to Jordan. 
uh, produced me and D a couple times down at the score. So I hope is Jordan doing well. Oh, Jordan's great. I was just on the mics with him earlier today doing some more draft preview for uh, the big uh, big night coming up on Wednesday. He's doing great, man. You okay. know, k- kicking ass and taking names over there at 670 the score. And, uh, you know, he and I are, are thrilled to be entering our fourth season with Locked Up Bulls. We actually celebrated our 30-year anniversary today from when we first joined the network. So uh, it, it's been a, a pretty brutal three years to be doing a daily podcast about <laughs> the Bulls. But, uh, you know, we're excited for hopefully better things to come. And by the way, thank you so much for having me. Appreciate the invite. No problem. No problem. Uh, we're, we're quick on Locked on Bulls. What made you guys start it? And does Jordan still have the Apple connection? <laughs> so he actually, he doesn't work for Apple anymore. Um, but bless his heart. The reason he doesn't work for Apple anymore is because he got the, the opportunity at 670 to score. Right. And when Apple had some issues with his hours, he was like, hmm, Apple sports radio i think i'm going sports radio so uh and and we actually had been doing our own uh bulls podcast uh called the debatables back in the day for about seven or eight months before locked on had um an opening because you you may recall that cody westerland another 670 person and sean hyken who is a great Mm -hmm. nba reporter were the og hosts of locked on bulls uh and they couldn't continue for various reasons and uh, i had a colleague who was actually doing locked on uh, pistons uh, over in detroit uh, a guy who i knew from my freelance blogging days so that was kind of our window in and the host of the network said i listened to your pre-existing bulls podcast it's great keep doing what you're doing just doing it on our network and jordan Mm. i said well that's easy so (laughs) Mm, i like that i like that look at you tenacity and keep going for it also follow matt at i mean at bulls underscore peck all right man listen we got some big stuff taking place finally here in chicago uh we're not not gonna have the seventh pick this year lucky enough we got bumped up we got the fourth pick so it's it's christmas for bulls fans basically right and i guess the first question i would have to ask you matt is who would you prefer the bulls to take at number four well i guess it depends on whether or not you assume that the top three picks are going to go chalk and it's not as concrete as it's been in recent years, but for the most part, and then especially uh, over the last 48 hours or so, we've heard that despite all the smoke and all the rumors, it would be a surprise to not see LaMelo Wiseman and Edwards go top three in some, in any particular order, but those being a top three, if that's the case and the bulls don't have LaMelo fall into their lap at four, which I think would be great, but I personally don't think he's worth sacrificing a piece of our current core for to trade up to get LaMelo. I'm not that high on him. If that's the case, then you're looking at a few options at four. Uh, a lot of Bulls fans are enamored with Denny Avdia, you know, the, the young prospect uh, from, from Israel who mm-hmm. projects to be kind of like a, a combo forward uh, jack-of-all-trades player that's enticing for today's NBA landscape. I personally would love to see them more seriously address the lack of playmaking on this roster. And now Denny's a good passer for a guy his size, but I do like the upside of some of the guards in this draft class, particularly Killian Hayes, the French product who played over in Germany this past year. Um, I, I also like the, the, uh, possibility of Tyrese Halliburton being a guy who can play all, both on the ball and off the ball. He was pretty efficient as an off the ball shooter uh, in his college career. I also am, am pretty high on that kid, uh, Kyra Lewis Jr. from Alabama. Ooh. He like he has some 
interesting elements to his game. His Euro step is like flawless. It's like Tony Parker levels of Euro step. He's got some Dennis Schroeder mixed to his game. Crazy fast. So that's what I am hoping for on draft night. The Bulls have not had an answer at the point guard spot since Derrick Rose tore his ACL eight years ago. And I would Mm. like that problem to be solved. I'm not convinced that it's going to be one of these players, but that's what I would like to see them try to address. Look, when you're talking about Lewis from Alabama, I want to compare Alabama guard to Alabama guard. Do you see him being a better player than Sexton or particularly more of a playmaker player than Sexton came out of Alabama a few years ago? That's a good question. I I mean, I think most people would say that Colin Sexton has been more of a disappointment based on projections uh, coming out of the draft so far. And that's not to say he can't still improve and get better. I never saw him as a great playmaking guard. Um, certainly loved his, his athletic ability and, and what he could do creating um, as, as, a, as a primary ball handler for himself. But I also don't necessarily see brilliant playmaking from from Lewis Jr. I see him as a guy who can certainly create his own shot off the dribble. He can drive. I, I would like to see better finishing at the rim from him. I think he's still a little bit too weak and needs to add some strength so that he can finish at the rim a little bit better. But I would say the comp isn't too far off, uh, in my opinion, because they both appear to me to be you know, look to drive and penetrate and or create my own shot kind of guards more so than being playmaking guards. Whereas like Killian Hayes, very much a playmaking guard. Uh, Kyra Lewis Jr. I think is more of just a use his speed and athletic ability to create primarily for himself. Look, I want to talk about Killian Hayes and Tyrese Halliburton because I think if I had a choice between the two, I would probably go with the Frenchman. Uh, I know that they, he, he's not ambidextrous and he's just a, he's just a lefty right now, but it seems like with his frame and his growth, and he's not a super athlete, but he's athletic, that in the long run, he may be able to transition into a star while Halliburton being a guy who can play off the ball but also run the offense, I feel like he's just going to be probably like a sweet role player perhaps, or even maybe better than that, but I feel feel like I want to swing for the fences if I was the Bulls and they should go with their young Frenchman and Killian Hayes. Yeah, I think you're right on the money there, Kenneth, because to me, when you look at mock drafts across the board over the past month or so, Killian Hayes is a guy who has some have projected to go as high as four to the Bulls, uh, all the way down to maybe even sliding into the late lottery, not going until 12, 13, 14, something like that. And Tyrese Halliburton, you usually see in that little seven to 10, seven to 11 window, which I mean, to me, you know, the optics of that are clear. People, for the most part, agree that Killian Hayes has a higher potential ceiling than Tyrese Halliburton, uh, but perhaps more of a bust risk where Tyrese Halliburton is a guy with, you know, multiple years of college experience and plenty of tape. You know what you're getting with him. So a higher floor, but also a lower ceiling. I think that's kind of the difference. That David Show from Matt Peck, host of the Bulls Outsiders on NBC Sports Ch- Chicago for the past two seasons and also Locked on Bulls podcast. You can find that anywhere with Locked on Bulls. Locked on anything is what I mean to say. Also follow him <laughs> at Bulls underscore Peck. Listen, Matt, let me ask you this. Which player would you not want the Bulls to draft? Like he's totally like you're like, don't touch him. I don't want him to come down and also include it, it, the chalk in that, too. Right. Uh, So including the chalk, I wouldn't be thrilled if somehow Wiseman fell to the Bulls at four and then the Bulls were like, well, do we think he's the best available and then take him and then add to the already, you know, uh, log jammed kind of situation you have in the front court. I've heard some Bulls fans say, hey, let's trade up and and sacrifice Wendell Carter to, to get Wiseman. I think that's 
ludicrous personally i i feel like we've barely scratched the surface of what wendell carter jr can do and with proper coaching and tutelage in the right system we could really see him blossom um another name that i think is kind of uh getting a lot of hype recently is Onyeka Okongwu, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the, 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 the forward for, from USC. Now I certainly see a future, a quality future for him in the NBA, but to me, his strengths and weaknesses kind of already mirror what Wendell Carter Jr. is. I mean, he's he's incredible uh, as a help defender, uh, a, a shot blocking rim protector. Uh, he's got a great basketball IQ on the defensive end, and I think he's a little bit more gifted than Wendell right now as a guy, as a rim roller in a pick and roll kind of offense. And he he's dynamic and athletic, and finishing above the rim. So you like that, but he still does not have that. Uh, range to his offensive game that Bulls fans were hoping to see Wendell Carter Jr. develop this season that we never saw. If anything, we saw Wendell kind of shy away offensively this season, even compared to his rookie year. So those two bigs, Wiseman and and Okongwu, would be uh, pieces that if for whatever reason, either of them ended up being the Bulls selection at four, like I could make my peace with it, but I wouldn't see as much logic behind it. Mm. Matt, is there any is there any worry when you're talking about Wendell Carter with the injury factor? Um, I like Wendell Carter, but it's, he's he's a, he's about one more injury away as far as a long duration of an injury from being like he's injury prone. Is there any fear that perhaps looking for a replacement or somebody that maybe can fit in and help because maybe he may not be in the long term plans? Because I mean, I hate to say it, he's a tap and injury prone. Yeah. I think it's fair for Bulls fans to have that concern right now, just because you look at games played versus games missed through his first two years. I think it's fair that Bulls fans also have that worry about Lowry marketing through three years. He's missed a fair amount of time due to injury. We just heard the nurse uh, heard the news maybe an hour before hopping on the mics here that the Bulls are not extending that qualifying offer to Chris Dunn. One of those pieces in the Butler trade. He's another guy who was injury prone and missed a lot of time. So I don't, I don't think it's wrong to say it's a concern for Wendell but he has been one of several players to have injury issues with this team. We did hear they extended Denzel Valentine. He was mostly available this year and Boylan just, you know, put him at the back end of his doghouse for whatever reasons, but he's coming back. He's been an injury concern. Um, I mean, Otto Porter Jr. How much better would this Bulls team have been? Could this Bulls team have been this past season if their best two-way player, Otto Porter Jr., was available for more than a dozen games? So, yes, it's a concern with Wendell, but keep in mind he is still very young. And this could just be a series of unfortunate injuries at the beginning of his career. Uh, And and he could have a very healthy career ahead of him. I mean, knock on wood on that. I think it's too soon to tell. That Davis show here with Matt Peck. Follow him at Bulls underscore Matt me underscore Peck. Uh, Matt, real quick, let me ask you this. You mentioned that you wouldn't trade any of the core players to move up in the draft. So I'm taking that off the table. But which one of the core players are you closer to willing to be moving off of because you, you don't think that necessarily he's going to uh, make it and become reach his full potential or particularly reach that potential here as a Bulls player? Yeah, this is a really hot button topic with Bulls fans right now. If you have to, you know, uh, if you have to uh, separate yourself from one of the f- core four pieces, which one would you be most willing to part with? Logically speaking, I think, and as much as I love him and everything he did for this team for the past two years, two plus years, the answer that makes the most sense is Zach Levine. Um, He has 
clearly the highest trade value of any piece of this roster right now. He's a guy coming off a year where he averaged nearly 25, five and five. And he's got two more years of a very team friendly deal on the books where he can be that kind of production for you. And he's making less than $20 million. Like name the list of players in the NBA who can give you 25, five and five who make less than 20 million. Cause it's a pretty short list. For that reason, I think Zach has some pretty decent trade value right now. The other element to that is from what we hear about AK, from what we've seen in Denver and the style of basketball that he likes to play, what Zach does on the offensive end doesn't necessarily mesh with what we are anticipating to see when it comes to this front office and this new coaching staff uh, installing a new offensive system. Now, that's not to say that other pieces are uh, – more suited to what they're doing, uh, mm-hmm. but just that Zach is the most valuable piece who might uh, be seen by the front office right now to be a square peg for a round hole. Look, because that was actually going to be one of my future questions, but I want to get to Zach real quick. What's the legit haul for, for Zach? Because I, I agree with you on this. If you have the number four pick and you move up to the first slot, that's not enough for Zach, especially when you add on his contract with his with his, with his play. But what's an ideal haul for, for a, a Zach Levine for Matt Peck? I think it starts with a player who is not quite all-star caliber, but still young, still has a window of possible improvement ahead of them, and maybe uh, not quite uh, statistically as proven as Zach Levine, even though he's done it on bad teams. Uh, uh, so like a very quality starter, Uh, Not an all-star, but a very quality starter who's young and an additional pick in this draft. And I don't mean swapping and the Bulls give up four and get a player and that team's pick. I mean, you keep number four, you -hmm. get yourself a good young starter and another pick. And even even that to me seems a bit of an undersell for Zach at giving everything he can be for another team. Um, And and it's unfortunate that this appears to be uh, certainly a weaker draft class than compared to recent years where... 2017, 18, and 19. I mean, they're th- the next generation of megastars for this league came from the past three draft classes. And it's been evident over the last couple of seasons. It was evident in the bubble this summer. You saw these young stars making that leap. I don't know if we're going to get any players of that caliber out of this draft class, but there's always the chance that you find yourself a gem. And we do know that AK, much like John and Gar, to their credit, which I don't dole out often, finding quality picks later in the draft. AK has proven that he could be good at that. Obviously, Jokic at number 41 is the most primo example. Listen, I look at this draft being similar to the Rudy Gobert, Giannis draft. I remember watching that draft and I remember them sitting in the stands and thinking because they both said that they were going to come here uh, the follow that season and not stay over in Europe. I was like, I kind of like these young guys. I did not think either one were going to be the players that they turned into. But I, I want to know, are there any players that perhaps let's just say past four or in the teens that you look at as being a sleeper because this draft has written all over it, a guy taking a little bit later being the best player coming out of this entire draft. Yeah, I think there are a lot of... It's funny, like to me, none of them stick out this year because everyone is trying to find that sleeper pick in a weak class. So I feel like everybody 
just like picked a player that they liked who was projected to go mid to late first round or second round and talked about them like they're being the biggest sleeper uh, and and a surprise potential star. I think more people are looking for that this year than than on average because it is a weak class and everybody wants to find that one gem. I mean, a prime example is is uh, is Patrick Williams, this kid uh, from Florida State who a couple months ago people were saying, hey, you know, Maybe he sneaks into to the back end of the lottery. He could fall as as far as the early second round. And now people are talking about him having a draft promise from the Pistons at seven if he falls that far. So mm. to me, I'm not going to sit here and posture and pretend like I have some great yeah. answer for a sleeper because <laughs> everyone's trying to do it and no one knows. No one knows. Listen, so since I'm gonna get you to stick you right there, who in the second round would you prefer the Bulls to take? So we get out of the draft after that. Um, honestly, I I'm not opposed to the idea of doing a draft and stash with that second round pick. We we have seen the Bulls do it in years past. Uh, you know, Nico Miritich being a recent example. Uh, you know, um, our, our old pal Jerry Krause did it with Tony Kukoc all the way back in the day. I am not looking for a player who's coming from that second round who's going to come in and be in the top eight of Billy Donovan's rotation this season. I don't see that as a likely scenario. And given how roster strapped the Bulls are already, so, you know, they extended the qualifying offer to Denzel today. Uh, uh, Otto Porter Jr., shock. Big shock picked up his player option over the weekend (laughs) and assuming whether it's at four or they trade down or up a first round pick, you're talking about being at 13 guaranteed contracts already. And do you really want to use one of your two remaining roster spots for a second round pick who probably won't play that much? So Mm. knowing that AK has this wonderful Rolodex of international basketball scouts, the Bulls added an international scout to their staff earlier this offseason. I would not mind seeing them try to find their sleeper on an international team somewhere and say, hey, keep doing what you're doing on that international team for another season, and we'll see you for 21-22. That David Show right now joined by the host of Bulls Outsiders and also co-host of Locked on Bulls, Matt Peck. Follow him at Bulls underscore Peck. Uh, listen, I, I, had, I used to call him the Finnish Lord, all right? I had an affinity for him. I had a, a huge affinity. Hey, you know, my affinity for him – is only our game for how I felt about Matt Nagy the first season. Oh right? God! Yeah, that's just the conundrum that I'm in right now. And I hate to say this coming out this coming out of my mouth. All right, it's insolence to the Finnish Lord. But when do you pull the plug? I know we have to let the new eyes get the, and Billy Donovan get their chance with them. So I guess it'll be after this season. Or you know what? Let me let me change that. What do you need to see from Laurie Markin in this season that makes you feel that the Bulls should keep Laurie Markin moving forward? I need to see a player who was far more aggressive and far more engaged than the 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 empty eggshell of a Lowry that we saw this past season. And so much uh, was so much time was spent talking among the fan base this past season. How much of this is Lowry's fault for not, you know, asserting himself and developing his game? And how much is Jim Boylan's fault for sticking Lowry in the corner and basically just turning him into nothing more than a spot up three point shooter? And the answer I always came to was, yes, it's both of their faults. Um, Lowry has never really seemed to be that aggressive of a player to say, give me the damn ball. I'm going to go score. I also and, and I wonder if the the hip flexor weird injury that we heard about midseason was a, a lingering problem 
uh, for, for longer than, than we knew about because he just looked so, uh, so passive and so hesitant to engage in any contact this, this past season. He, he was never like a big post player uh, at Arizona in college. He was never a big post player for his first two seasons with the Bulls. That was never a big part of his game. But even when he had a mismatch and like there was like a 6-4 guard on him and he got the ball, he couldn't do a damn thing with it. So that was really frustrating. I need to see something else from him in the post this season. I'm not saying it has to be the best element to his game because I still love his ability as a pick and pop player, a pick and roll player, but primarily a guy who gets great looks moving off the ball, like the cutting, uh, you know, cutting baskets we've seen Lowry make where he's playing off the ball and makes a great cut and scores in transition. That's a great element to his game. And Boylan killed it this past season. So there are a, Basically, to answer your question, there are a lot of things we need to see from Lowry, but I am not giving up on him yet. So many Bulls fans are ready to trade him this season, trade him in the offseason. I still think that that guy, and everybody loves to talk about that month of February, his second year, where he averaged 26 and 12. And I'm like, I don't even care about that small sample size. Just take for the fact that in that entire second season of his, as a second year player, he averaged damn near 19 and 9. That's not nothing. And that's not nothing. And that's not something to just throw away and dismiss before seeing if Donovan and more competent people than John Gar and Jim can fix it. Speaking of throwing away and dismissing, who are the guys that for Matt Peck need to be here? And who are the guys that you're ready to get jettisoned? But you can't include Felicio or Otto Porter. Dude, how much did it crack you up that every Bulls fan who was throwing around trade machine stuff this offseason was always including Otto and or Felicio in every Bulls trade? And I'm sitting here saying, what are you people smoking? And can I have a little bit? Because little that's, bit. that's ridiculous. We're, they're not assets. It's like, oh, well, they're expiring. Yeah, they're expiring contracts. People want those. Not if it's that player attached to it. They don't. Right. You know, an, an overpaid vet who hasn't played more than a few games each of the last two years and the biggest human punchline in the NBA? No. No, you're not trading either of those. So, I mean, outside of those two, when it comes to who am I cool with, with seeing go and who would I like to keep, today the decisions we got on Dunn and Valentine made sense to me. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Valentine is a reliable three-point shooter, and I think he's an underrated playmaker and passer, especially in transition, and that's a useful piece for an AK run system. Right. So I wasn't surprised, especially considering his qualifying offer was about half as expensive as Chris Dunn's. Mm-hmm. Chris Dunn, a half-court point guard who never really was that elite of a playmaker to be a point guard who can't shoot, especially mm-hmm. Now in this league, I was wrong about Chris Dunn. I was so high on him when they got him in that trade. And I was disappointed because most of all, I just don't like being wrong. But I was also disappointed <laughs> that he didn't work out. But now when we got that news today that we will not ex- you know, extend a qualifying offer to Chris Dunn, I was like, great. Sayonara. See you later. Best of luck to you. Um, you know, and then the other one decision that the Bulls have to make here as far as fringe pieces is Shaq Harrison. We haven't heard anything yet as far as, you know, I haven't gotten any alerts while we've been chatting about a decision on him. But he is a much cheaper comparable option to Chris Dunn. If you still wanted a versatile defender uh, and a guy who can create some steals and some transition opportunities for you, you can get him at a 10th of the price of Chris Dunn, but they might decide we were talking about their, their lack of roster flexibility. They might decide that that roster spot would be best used somewhere else in the fringe of, of free agents in, in a week. 
That David Show here with Matt Peck. Follow him at Bulls underscore Peck. Uh, listen, uh, we got a little gift. Um, we got somebody uh, on the job that uh, actually had this job before as far as being a head coach. How did you feel with the hire of Billy Donovan? Before they hired Billy Donovan, who were the guys that you wanted to take that seat from Jim Boylan? Yeah, I mean, I think we were mostly looking at would-be first-time head coach uh, candidates, whether it be Steven Silas, Wes Unsell Jr., Dan Craig, uh, you know, plenty of people who had impressive resumes in their other uh, stops in the NBA as people who started in, in video rooms and people who started in development and then worked their way to, you know, seats on uh, assistant coaching uh, positions. And I was I was okay with the path of all right. We're going to give a guy a first time head coaching opportunity, as long as they come from a respectable program and have some chops. And there are other people in the league who say this person deserves this opportunity. And it's not just the Bulls being the Bulls, where mm-hmm. it's just like, hey, let's throw a dart. Hey, let's call Iowa and see who picks up. <laughs> like I was I was ready to make my peace with whoever they settled on. Um, And then it was a remarkably pleasant surprise to me to hear Donovan be the name that was called. Because if you remember, his name was floated, and I believe by Woj, like the most trustworthy of all sources, as the Bulls are expected to have some interest. But it was like one tweet, and we never heard anything about it again. And Bulls fans were like, oh, my God, you know, who are we going to get? And I always was kind of wondering in the back of my mind, I was like, maybe they're going after Donovan and just being very, very quiet about it. And that Mm -hmm. turned out to be exactly the case. Look, does Donovan have certain flaws in his, in his resume so far as a head coach in the NBA? Sure. You know, failing to get out of the first round, despite some hall of fame type talent, whether you're talking about, you know, the last season, the KD being there, Westbrook, Paul George, um, the, the most credit he gets and rightfully so is for what he did this past season with CP three and a gang of misfits. I'd like nobody predict, predicted them to, to make the playoffs in a stacked Western conference, let alone make the fifth seed right. a huge accomplishment there. Does he have, you know, some work to do on making in-game adjustments and matchup adjustments and things like that? Sure. He's also a guy who has a 600 winning percentage in the Western conference over the last five years. Oh, and two titles back to back in the NCAA, which hasn't been done since. Uh, yeah. Hasn't been done since. Dude has mad credentials compared to Jim Bleep and Boylan. I'm ecstatic. <laughs> so in that, I want to transition to the front office because that had to be something that you look upon this front office is doing a really good job going out and getting someone who had actually been through the fires. So I know we can't see it. We don't know everything because the season hasn't unfolded and, and they, the league came to a stop and really the Bulls didn't start playing in the bubble. They didn't get the opportunity to play in a bubble. But when you're looking at Arturis Carnage Silvis and Mark Eversley, how do you feel about this front office moving forward? And is it a situation that the last relationship was so bad you'll take anything right now? Right. I think. And that was what was so funny to me was watching Bulls fans react to Jim Boylan still being around and still not being fired yet and still not being fired yet. And everybody was like, oh, my God, they're going to bring him back. And then there were all these other speculative columns written by Bulls beat writers being like, well, they might bring Jim back because of this. And Jerry Reinsdorf just mentioned about how much money he's losing between his Bulls and his and his White Sox. And we're in a pandemic and they might be looking for for cost cutting solutions everywhere. And maybe that includes bringing Jim back. And I was sitting here saying, ain't no way any of that makes any lick of sense. Right. AK was brought in to create organizational change. Why would they bring him here if they insisted on shoving Jim Boylan down his throat? It made no sense. So AK was just doing his due diligence and he was being respectful 
to his new boss's ownership who requested him to keep an open mind about Jim Boylan. So we all waited impatiently. And as I expected, the news came and AK fired Jim because that was the right basketball decision. I feel great about this new front office. At first, I was a little bit worried when, okay, we finally got rid of Gar, but, you know, they're going to put John with a different title, senior basketball advisor, senior advisor to the right, whatever, and worrying about him still sticking his nose in mm-hmm. the new front office's business. But we were told, John is here if you need him. Otherwise, AK, it's your show to run. Hire who you want to hire. Fill out the front office, the whatever way you want to do. And we will be here to support you. And our checkbook will be here to support you to make sure that that's doable. We have, need, we have seen no evidence to the contrary so far. Other than Bulls being impatient before firing Jim Boylan for a while there and freaking out when, again, like you were saying, we, we just have trust issues, right? right. It's like, right. we got cheated on, and as soon as we start dating somebody new, we're like, are they going to cheat on us too? Please don't. <laughs> Listen, the only part, bad part when it comes to Jerry is really what happened with this, all right? Oh. Uh, I, oh. we, we got Doug Collins, and it's even worse. Uh, I don't want to go there. We're having a good, great interview. I'm not going to bring us down. I, I heard something about Tony getting that DUI expunged today. What's what, is there some good no, news on that front? No, actually, what it is, they fouled it in like the wrong county, oh. so they dismissed it. But they're going to refoul it, oh, so okay. he didn't get off just yet. I, I thought that yet. was Jerry still calling in a few favors that he had left somewhere. Yeah, yeah you know, take care of this, right? Exactly, exactly. Oh. I want to talk yeah. to the near and dear to you before you get out of here. Uh, you you did something that I'm sure a lot of people, even myself would love to do and to see you uh, host Bulls Outsiders after the game and cut up and you guys have for such a, a good time. Um, how was that and how did it come about? How, how, how did, did you guys come to, to NBC Sports Chicago or did they come to you? How did that take place? So uh, actually, and yeah, just right out of the gate, it was an incredible experience. I never believed for a second that I was actually there. I was pinching myself the whole time. It was, you know, such a, a wonderful opportunity. Uh, and, and the three of us, myself and my amazing co-stars, Big Dave and John, relished every second of it. Um, it was actually a concept that was created by some people over at at NBC Bay Area because mm-hmm. the Warriors were so popular that it didn't matter how much content they would put out with the Warriors. It, it, it was never enough. Mm-hmm. And so they had a couple of people. Um, one of them was, you know, kind of like an up and coming beat writer. And then one of them was just somebody who had like a Warriors blog and they started it as a Facebook live show on the NBC Sports Bay Area Facebook page. Um, and it garnered a pretty big following because Warriors fans were obsessed with this, you know, dynasty team at the time this started you know three or four years ago when the warriors were the thing in the nba and so it got so popular that they took it from being a facebook live show all the way to being in you know their you know uh, regional sports network cable show that they would do as a post-game show uh, in addition to some other digital media platforms and so basically the the big bosses at nbc sports told their other regional sports networks including chicago hey if you have an nba team uh, as part of your coverage check out this cool concept that the Warriors are doing called Warriors Outsiders. And if you want to do something similar with your team, go for it and, and we'll support you and you can make creative changes that you see fit. Um, so that's how it started. And our executive producer, Kevin Anderson, who is just one of the nicest people in the world and one of the most talented uh, people I've worked with in, in the sports media business was put in charge to say, Hey, find the correct people for this 
and, and run it. And that's how it started. He reached out to a handful of people that were just prominent follows on Bulls Twitter, people who had Bulls podcasts or Bulls blogs, uh, people who were not quite media, but on the fringe of media, uh, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And someone who could honestly fill the role of I'm, I'm not media. I'm not in the inner circle. I am a fan. First and foremost, I am a fan. And we want to do a post game show that is for the fans by the fans. Um, and yeah, there, there was a, a lengthy audition and application process, uh, including in-studio auditions. And the three people that they settled on were myself and John Sabine and Big Dave Watson, the three of whom we had never met before coming into really? those in-person auditions. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Most, pe- most show, people are shocked. Over there, I knew, until you started saying this, I was like, he's trying to say that these guys didn't work together. That's crazy. Great yeah. job, man. People Great are job. shocked. People are shocked when they hear that we had never met each other or known each other um, before coming into auditions for that show because we are so lucky in that there are certain personality and experience overlaps between all three of us in different ways where chemistry was just instantaneous. Uh, like myself and John both had backgrounds in acting and live comedy, sketch comedy, improv comedy. Um, and, and John still does a lot of that. Like he's a big guy at Second City and, and IO here in Chicago. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I hung up my acting cleats to try to get into sports media about five or six years ago. Uh, so, so John and I had that in common and certainly that comfortability of talking and being performative. And, and John and Big Dave bonded immediately over their mutual love for for pro wrestling and WWE. And so it was like, they were diehard NBA fans and Bulls fans, but also they had this other mutual interest that was like very, uh, you know, lovingly just their own. So it was like, there was all this. And then of course, Dave and myself, just lifelong Chicago sports fans who live, breathe and eat and then sleep Chicago sports. So there was mutual respect and mutual interest in, in all directions between the three of us. So that's why we were lucky that, you know, as soon as they sat us down in front of a camera, uh, our our producer Kevin Anderson said, two minutes into the first time we put the three of you together at the table, we were like, "Yep, this is it. This is the show." <laughs> That's dope. Listen, so how you you of course you have people you engage with people on social media. How is it received? And I mean that outside of, and I'm not saying this because I didn't even check this out today. I was listening the Marchie and Greco spat. Uh, <laughs> it was good. That was good. I was listen. I didn't even know you. But I was happy for you. All right. Yeah. I was happy. I, did you end up going to like Wild and Sylvie? Because I think I was listening that day and I was just happy. Like, that is so sweet that they get that marching, that that happened and they, they get to go on there. But how was it received? And then tell me about the uh, the spat with uh, the one great Gian Greco from that Channel 5 and uh, Channel 7, as us kids can remember. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially for, for me and Dave, it was unbelievable to even think that Mark G and Greco would know who we are and that we existed. You know, uh, John's a, a transplant. He's originally from Dallas. He came to Chicago, like I want to say 10 or 12 years ago. So for him, G and Greco didn't carry that same weight of me and Dave are Chicago kids. Well, let's classify Dave's Chicago kid. I'm a suburb kid. I'm not that cool, but even still being a Chicago suburbs kid, like Gene Greco, it's like, dude, I, I, I remember watching him covering Michael Jordan's retirement in 1993 right. when I was six years old. Like right. I, he has been that guy in Chicago sports broadcasting for so long. So to hear him kind of, you know, slight us on the air on Waddle and Sylvie, a show that I've listened to for, you know, a decade. I'm like, wow, I can't believe he knows who we are. Also, sounds like he's not a big fan of our of our content. So 
it just kind of snowballed. We had a show that night. The Bulls had a game that night after his his appearance on Waddle and Sylvie, where he kind of you know trashed us a little bit. So we responded mostly with praise and saying, "Dude, you're a legend. Thanks for even mentioning us on Chicago Sports Talk Radio." Right. Um, and hey, we could learn a thing or two from you if you ever want to come by the show. We're still pretty new in this business. You're a legend. But we also got in some some you know underhanded jabs about maybe the fact that he's he's nearing the twilight years of his career. Um, and then yeah, I, I hopped on Waddle and Silvery for a quick second when they had Mark on, and he and I made peace and cracked a few jokes. But I I think the most important thing that came out of that is uh, a column I wrote for NBCSportsChicago.com. I was doing a weekly column this year called The Pecking Order, and most of it was just about Bulls stuff, my Bulls thoughts after the most recent week of Bulls basketball games. But I sat down and wrote this really long-winded, long-form, you know, fleshed-out thought, uh, like, think piece on the changing world of Chicago sports media and sports media in general. And the fact that this was clearly a generational divide. Gian Greco with some of his comments was mostly sticking up for the old guard to use his own words, people that have been in sports broadcasting for a long time and are for one reason or another getting phased out. And I, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not claiming to, but at least for the sake of that column in this interaction was doing my best to represent the voice of a, a younger class of people who were trying to break into the sports media business here in Chicago and, and fighting against the, um, you know, this, this old notion of the old way. And we have our Twitter threads and we have our blogs, we have our podcasts. And in so many ways, the old, you know, an, uh, the older generation see that as, you know, uh, uh, illegitimate and mm -hmm. you didn't go to the proper journalism or broadcasting schools and training programs. And you're just like a kid with a blog. And there's this kind of generational divide and, I tried to express in that column the fact that, like, look, the only reason we're here and trying to do this is because we were so inspired and motivated by who you guys were and who you women were doing these jobs when we were just kids following our favorite teams growing up. Like, you're the reason we're here and we're not trying to step on your toes and we're not trying to take your job. We're just here creating, as my buddy Big Dave phrased it, he couldn't phrase it, I couldn't phrase it any better. He said, we're not here coming after your pie. We're making our own pie and we're sharing. Like there's plenty of room to be in this business and there are different ways to do things. And just because we're maybe seeing this crazy shift in how sports are covered with the immediacy of Twitter and social media and, and digital media platforms, it doesn't mean that we're forgetting the old way and the old guard because they are legends in our eyes, because that is the first reaction that we had to Mark G and Greco, even knowing who we were and that we existed. He's a legend. They're legends. We're just trying to, do a little bit of our own work and not embarrass ourselves while doing so. I got you. You're filling in a void. You're filling in a void. But yeah, that that that's definitely an inspiring, man. And definitely keep going. I definitely appreciate you joining us. Again, we have Matt Peck. Follow him at Bulls underscore Peck. Uh, host of the Chicago Bulls Outsiders, the Bulls Outsiders, rather, for the past two seasons and also co-host of Locked on Bulls. Matt, appreciate it. Stay safe out here, man, in these COVID wars that's taking place right now. Hey, I uh, appreciate you. I love you. Uh, what you guys do with this show. Keep it up. And uh, I'd be happy to jump on and talk Bulls or anything else anytime. Can All I right. get up air down? I was just going to say that. You beat me. I was just going to say that. <laughs> definitely, definitely. We're dropping this tomorrow, so hoping this with a victory. Matt, have a good evening. Uh, listen, real quick. I hope the Bears don't stress you out tonight because it's been like that. It's been stressful for the to have five wins. It's been stressful. It's just the past week has been stressful for a variety of ways, shall we say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have a good one. You too, man. Appreciate you. No doubt.